They finally got him. James O'Keefe, they got him. He's banned off Twitter. He's still on Instagram, but Twitter has permanently banned James O'Keefe. They recently permanently banned Project Veritas, and now they've come for James himself. And this is where it gets interesting. I think James is doing the right thing here. He's announced he's going to be suing Twitter for defamation. Why? Twitter claims the reason he got banned was for operating multiple fake accounts or something to that effect. And James says, I didn't do that. That's a false statement of fact. And now he's suing. And I, and I wonder why no one's done this before. And it made me question some of these other individuals. There have been people very prominent who have been banned from Twitter. And then Twitter says they run fake accounts. And then I'm like, okay, sue them because they're clearly lying, right? And then these individuals are like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to sue. So it makes me wonder. This time, James is like, nah, I'm suing. So I believe that James is telling the truth. This is a, a ridiculous ban. I don't think he was doing anything untoward on, on Twitter, but they banned him. So here we go. Interestingly, we have more James O'Keefe news because he announced he's going to be suing CNN as well. <laughs> so the dude is... uh Look, Veritas is going above and beyond their their scope of work, and and it's good. They're literally fighting the good fight. They are not only exposing the media for their lies, they're actually taking the fight to the courts. And in one of their recent legal victories, the New York Times, the judge ruled that if the New York Times wants to claim they're writing fact-based news, but then they inject opinion, stands to reason, they should be informing their readers. And thus, Veritas won, defeating a motion to dismiss I gotta say, watching all this stuff, James, o- James O'Keefe might be like one of the only prominent leaders, in my opinion, when it comes to conservatism, actually doing something, winning battles and challenging the system. So my respect, we're going to talk about all this, but we actually have interestingly perfect timing. It's just so weird. It's, this happens all the time. Synchronicity. We, we'll, we'll, we try to book guests and we'll be like, what's a good date? And so we have the ex-founder of Wikipedia, Larry Sanger. Would you like to just give yourself a quick introduction, Larry? Sure. Um, well, I, what should I say? I, I grew up in Alaska. I, all three of my degrees are in philosophy. Um, my claim to fame or infamy is, is uh, starting Wikipedia. Um, I've worked on a, a long series of uh, nonprofit and educational projects, and now I am... Um, the the um, president of the Knowledge Standards Foundation. We'll talk about that, I guess. Ex-founder of Wikipedia. So suffice <laughs> to say, you're not happy with the way things went with Wikipedia. Yeah. No, I'm I'm also one of uh, Wikipedia's leading critics now. Interesting. I'm, I'm not happy with uh, how it's gone. The reason I say it's it's interesting timing is that there's there's an overlap in the space of how Wikipedia operates, how fake news manipulates information, how big tech companies are banning people. So we'll get into all that. Larry, thanks for hanging out. We got Ian. He's chilling. You do well. have Ian Crossland. And welcome to my psychoactive experience, <laughs> otherwise known as TimCast IRL. Magnets. And I want to tell you about the magnetic monopole. <laughs> if you're not familiar, it's a theoretical or hypothetical magnet that's not found in nature, but it only has one pole. And so it has a, the magnetism facing in one direction. I think if we can... Master the magnetic monopole will have levitation. Now, Ian is a co-founder of Minds.com as well. Yes. So this is uh this will be this should, this should be good. We'll talk a lot about the censorship and the fake news, and of course we got Lydia. She's chilling. I am in the corner. I'll just be nodding along tonight because this is way out of my wheelhouse, but I'm really excited to learn about all this stuff. 
My friends, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments of the show. Yesterday was a hoot. We had uh, we had Jack Murphy and Seamus Coglin <laughs> from Freedom Tunes. And at one point, Jack Murphy said he loved Ian. Oh, thank you, Jack. Now, if you want to see that, you got to go to TimCast.com, sign up. And uh, we're, we're, we're working on the site. We're making it better. You can see now right at the top, there's a members area. You can just click it. We made it easier for everybody to find. And we're building things out because we're going to be rolling out a rolling out a bunch of new content. We're bringing in a news editor, a paranormal subjects matter editor. It's going to be a lot of fun content, new shows. We've got a vlog already produced. We got, we're going to upload it, make the new channel. It's going to be fun. With your support, it'll get even better. So do that. But don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, leave us a good review. Leave us five stars. It really does help. And tell all your friends how awesome this show is. And uh, and thanks for being here. We broke a million subs last night. And everybody, you guys rock. Let's jump into this first story. So definitely we're going to get to – I want to you know get into the nitty-gritty of Wikipedia because I have ragged – I was basically ragging on Wikipedia and then you tweeted at me and then I was like, yes, let's talk about you know Wikipedia. But we do have some breaking news that I want to get into first from The Wrap. Twitter permanently suspends Project Veritas's James O'Keefe. O'Keefe says he plans to sue the platform for defamation following the suspension. Twitter permanently banned James O'Keefe Thursday. The Project Veritas founder spent the preceding days posting videos taken of a CNN employee without that employee's knowledge, in keeping with his organization's practice of coverted, coverted, rec- covertly recorded content, t- huh. uh, copy editor guys, but in violation of Twitter's policy. O'Keefe, who had over 900,000 followers at the time of his suspension, told the rap that he plans to sue the social media platform. Quote, the account you referenced, James O'Keefe III, was permanently suspended for violating the Twitter rules on platform manipulation and spam, a Twitter spokesperson confirmed. As outlined in our policy on platform manipulation and spam, you can't mislead others on Twitter by operating fake accounts. And you can't artificially amplify or disrupt conversations through the use of multiple accounts. That's an interesting statement to make because now James could sue for defamation, assuming it's not true. The rep declined to elaborate on the claim that O'Keefe was running multiple fake accounts, including how many he was running or how they were used in a statement. O'Keefe said, I am suing Twitter for defamation because they said I, James O'Keefe, operated fake accounts. This is false. This is defamatory and they will pay. Section 230 may have protected them before, but it will not protect them from me. The complaint will be filed Monday. That reminds me of uh, Watchmen. Mm. You guys, yeah, have, you, have you ever seen the movie Watchmen? Yeah, I have. Or read the comic at all? Uh, I, I think I did once. Uh, it just, a little bit of it anyway. It just reminds me of when Rorschach is in prison and he's like, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. And it's not a good one for one analogy, but basically... <laughs> They started a fight with somebody who was looking for a, well, I shouldn't say James was looking for a fight, but ready to win a war. Yeah. He only goes to war when he's going to win. Mm-hmm. That's well, what I've learned about James O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. He's been going to war. He's been going to battle, I should say, to win this war. So you may mm-hmm. have heard he sued the New York Times. Oh, yeah. Now now, now he's also going to sue CNN. Mm-hmm. So here, here's the next bit of this story, which will get us into the talk of censorship and, and fake news and things like that. James O'Keefe, this is according to Newsweek, James O'Keefe to expand his war on CNN with lawsuits, more video controversial undercover journalist and scourge of the left, so saith Newsweek, James O'Keefe appears to be waging a full-scale war on CNN that includes not only the undercover videos he's known for, but also a series of planned lawsuits against the news network and its anchors over issues that may not even involve him or his nonprofit organization. O'Keefe told Newsweek he will soon sue CNN and two of its journalists, Brian Stelter and Anna Cabrera, for defamation in a report about Twitter permanently banning Project Veritas. The February segment featured Cabrera, 
accusing Veritas of promoting misinformation and calling a group of conservative actionists activists, none of which O'Keefe says is true. Twitter reportedly banned Project Veritas over an anti-doxing policy after the group confronted a Facebook executive outside of his home. In the same February segment, Stelter claimed Project Veritas violated multiple rules. Meanwhile, O'Keefe posted video of CNN, so this I think most people are familiar with. Here's a, here's a statement from James. He said, we are suing CNN, Brian Stelter, and Anna Cabrera, and we are going to represent others in defamation suits against CNN. We are going to launch a division for lawsuits, O'Keefe told Newsweek. I wonder where he got that idea. I like that idea. I believe he we uh, brainchilded that here on the show. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. his is a little different, but uh, when, when he was on the show, we talked about the People's Defamation Defense Fund or something to, to that effect. Mm-hmm. So when these news outlets start writing fake stories, w- there is an advocate to protect you from the media, the smears. Uh-huh. A- a- as we get into this, uh, this space where everyone's a public figure, you know, uh, it becomes harder and harder to sue. For instance, Nicholas Sandman in the Covington Catholic case, they argued he was an involuntary public figure because someone filmed him standing on stairs, and now he was in the public spotlight. It's insane we've come to that point where basically no one is protected anymore. So if Project Veritas is doing it, I'm stoked. This guy's, you know, winning some some battles. Uh, There's there's a a huge need for it, and... um I uh, I can only say that uh, they uh, eventually um, help give the same treatment to uh, Wikipedia. Frankly, there's been so many people who have been defamed by Wikipedia, um, and there I hasn't was. been um, any recourse. I, I, I remember uh, back in 2006, I think it was, or seven, something like that, um, John Siegenthaler Sr., um, the father of John Siegenthaler Jr., um, I believe he's a co-founder of USA Today or so, uh, something like that. Um, and the Tennessean, he was the, the, the publisher or the editor. Anyway, very distinguished gentleman, um, elderly, retired. And um, he, you know, they had essentially defamed him by saying that he had you know, gone to live in in the Soviet Union back in the day or something like that. Um, and it was bad and it was totally false. And he he basically criticized me over the phone back then. Um, and I felt bad. I really did. And it's like I took I took his personal responsibility. And that's that's one of the things that that made me realize that, you know, real people are harmed by this sort of thing. When did you, uh, so look, you know, I guess in the context of, of James and all this, yeah, he, I think he's someone who has seen the lies and the smears firsthand yeah. for a very long time. Sure. I mean, so I went to Wikipedia and I looked up Project Veritas and it says definitively they produce deceptively edited videos. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the source for this? And I click it. It actually links to like 24 different articles. Mm-hmm. The problem is the word deceptive is an opinion, not a statement of fact. But Wikipedia is an encyclopedia supposedly showing you the facts. So I, I think for James, he's, he just finally was sick of it and said, let's go to war and start fighting back, which he is. I'm curious. I mean, that, that story about this guy from yesterday, that was that was the first moment you realized that, you know, defamation was occurring or. No, or? I, I of course, I knew that there was defamation going on before that but it's he really brought it home to me because he was actually a victim and he was 
a distinguished old Southern gentleman. Um, and, uh, and he was criticizing me personally. Um, so that, that's what really made it hit home. It didn't matter at the time that I was, I was actually starting a competing website. I still took responsibility for, for, uh, Wikipedia. So I don't, I don't understand why James hasn't launched a nuke against Wikipedia right now. It says on Wikipedia, Project Veritas, purpose, disinformation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Outright. Yeah, there's a far right activist group. The group produces deceptively edited videos. No. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is that, is that materially damages his reputation. Um, and, and the thing is, Wikipedia does that to a lot of people now. Right. And they're hiding behind Section 230. They're hiding behind that that protection. And there is absolutely no recourse that anybody has due to the legal framework in which Wikipedia operates. I've I've known about this for a long time, you know, and I just I I have wondered, you know, how what what's going to actually what's it going to take to change? And maybe it's somebody with relatively deep pockets and lots of rich friends actually going after them in a in a big way. And you you, you don't seem particularly well. I haven't known you that long, but you don't seem particularly biased, right? You're you're, you're I think you tweeted in defense of James O'Keefe on uh, about him getting suspended. Um, sh- uh, sure. Well, in, in defense of him being suspended. I'm, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In defense of his uh, of him. Yeah. In relation to the suspension, saying James should not have been suspended. Well, I, I, absolutely, yeah. I, I think he shouldn't have been suspended. Yeah. Just recently on Twitter. But I mean, I wouldn't agree that I'm that I'm unbiased. I'm <laughs> well, what, what I mean to say is, uh, we all have our biases. Yeah. But you're not. You're not. You, you don't appear to be a tribalist, like staunchly no, defending the conservatives. Absolutely for not. So that, that, that's why I think it's important to make the distinction. We're talking about what Wikipedia was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I can only imagine what your original vision for it was and how it strayed from that. Oh, At least yeah. that's my opinion of what, when, what, can you tell us about it? Like, when did you start it? How many of you were there and what was the vision? Right. Well, um, uh, I, I don't know. How long do you want me to go into this? Because it's a long like, We have a two hour show. Room, we need 10 minutes. I'm <laughs> thinking about it when you're 17. Like, where did it come uh, from? Okay. Well, I won't go into too much detail, but I'll, I'll give you, uh, because this is a big enough platform, probably a lot of people who are listening to this have not heard the story. Um, so I'll just, I'll just tell it again. Um, Basically, I got to know Jimmy Wills in the mid-1990s. He ran a uh, discussion group for fans of Ayn Rand. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, and Well, he used to be a, a hardcore objectivist slash libertarian. Um, and, well, we can talk about that later. Whatever. Um, and, and I actually uh, I got to know him a, a little bit. I wouldn't say that we ever became friends but we were good acquaintances and we were friendly um and i actually met him in person a couple of times back in the mid 1990s and then uh, about I, I guess at the end of 1999 early 2000 um i was deciding what i was going to do with this website that i had called sanger's review of y- of y2k news reports oh wow yeah um and uh i made some proposals uh, and sent it out to different acquaintances. He was one. And he said, 
why don't you come to work for me? I want to start this free public contributed encyclopedia built on a mo the model of um, like Linux. So open source, uh, except it's not open source, it's open content. And he gave me stuff to read. And I said, yes. I mean, this is like, I actually have, to answer your question, dreamed um, about things that I could do with a philosophy degree if I didn't want to become a professor, which eventually I decided not to do back in like 1996. Um, so, uh, and one of them was was an encyclopedia editor. And here somebody is offering me the, the opportunity to start my own encyclopedia. Cool. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, so that was my job, basically, to start something. Um, he, he had the domain name, it's called Newpedia, and I organized um, a, a group of, of, of hundreds of PhDs. Um, in, it was almost like organizing a whole college, really, because um, there were different departments and there were quite a few different people in the different departments and so forth. But um, I sort of uh, worked with these people and being academics, they like things being very regimented and top down. And that's the system that we ended up with. Um, negotiating with them, we ended up with a system that had seven steps. And it was a lot of work to get an article through that system. Uh, so in the end, um, we realized it actually, I shouldn't say in the end, close to the beginning, actually, um, we realized we were well agreed that there needed something um, we needed something to make it a lot easier for people to contribute just the average person so I cast around for different ways of, of allowing other people to contribute and um, I uh, eventually um, a friend of mine and this this was uh, January 2nd of uh, 2001 um, he told me about WikiWiki Wiki software, the WikiWiki Wiki web. That's the original Wiki, mm. um, Portland Pattern Repository. It's a repository of software programming patterns. Um, and then um, that same concept of a sort of like a public bulletin board. Anybody could write anything they want and edit anything. And yet somehow magically it works. Okay. Um, and he explained how and why it could work. And I said, wow, this actually might be a, a way. We should try this out because the software was free. So I, that same evening, I went back and I think Ben, ben Kovitz is the name of, of my friend. We had, had a, a Mexican dinner um, and in which he explained all this to me. I went back um, to my, my uh, apartment and wrote out a um, a one-page proposal to Jimmy Wales um, and said, uh, can you guys um, install this software for me to use? And, and uh, it's, so a couple of days later, that was done. And so I just went to work like describing what a wiki encyclopedia would be like. Um, and it would, it changed the culture. It, wiki wikis had been around for six years before that. So there was already a sort of internet culture surrounding wikis. So we had to sort of change that and, and reappropriate not just the software, but also the, um, the, the culture for the purpose of creating an encyclopedia. 
Um, and uh, I was just amazed that like after the first uh, month, it, despite a lot of people being very skeptical about um, it possibly working, especially the, the relatively straight-laced um, PhD uh, editors of, of Newpedia, um, they they didn't like the idea at all, and and sort of Jimmy Wales himself was kind of in in their corner in in the beginning, um, and I said, well, okay, we're gonna just we're gonna have to relaunch this because originally it was going to be the Newpedia Wiki, right? It, it was a different it was a a different um, a, a course of uh, or source of content for Newpedia. That's what it was supposed to be. Um, and I said, okay, well, if you guys don't want it associated with the Newpedia brand, then we'll just we'll just uh, relaunch it under its own domain name. And uh, I came up with with Wikipedia. We we registered that. And originally, it was Wikipedia dot com, because really? the whole enterprise was started by Bombus Bombus Inc. doesn't exist any longer. Um, and they were a, a startup of the uh, of the old dot com boom, the late nineteen nineties, and. They were well funded through uh, ads, uh, and then the, basically the funding disappeared. It, even as Wikipedia was taking off, even that in that first year. Um, so basically, in that in that first year, um, everyone was amazed at how well it was working. Even just like a month into it, you know, people were just excited to participate and. We observed after a few months how Google would spider all of the articles, the new articles in Wikipedia, um, and the uh, there was a sort of like a a stare um, graph of the growth of Wikipedia after the Google spider um, uh, hit the site. Um, there would be a bump um, in both activity on the site. And and just new people working on the site, um, and so it it looked like a positive feedback loop. And I thought that that's just this can't be true. It's like too good to be true. But it was a it was truly a viral phenomenon. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. The more articles that get written, people search for things. There's a one stop shop that has that subject. So yeah. Google probably favored Wikipedia as the parent domain. And then whenever something got searched for because Wikipedia existed, it treated it probably like a news source. Yeah, you know, you got it exactly. That's that's pretty much how it worked. Um, I, I don't know. Perhaps at some point Google um, like made some special decisions that that um, increased the, the overall ranking of the Wikipedia articles. You know, the page rank um, algorithm was simpler back then, and and. Um, who knows? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I think in the beginning, it was just a lot of excitement about the, the whole so, idea. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, I guess. Very, oh, yeah. very optimistic. For I, sure. I, I, I'm, 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 I've been staring at this uh, Project Veritas Wikipedia page completely dumbfounded. Welcome it has their address. Century. Why is the address for Project Veritas publicly listed with their, their mailbox number? That's on Wikipedia. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's insane. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I suppose they probably list locations for other corporations mm -hmm. too, but it's very mm -hmm. clear what they're doing. They add methods, 
hidden cameras, video manipulation funded by donors trust, a disinformation NGO. It's very, the whole thing is just smearing Project Veritas. And I, I'll let you guys in on, on some, uh, some new information. Project Veritas has been, I'll call it an upgrade, upgraded by NewsGuard from proceed with caution, red exclamation point to under review. Huh. Good. So that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get deemed credible by news, NewsGuard, but I can tell you this. Project Veritas produces videos where you can see someone's mouth moving. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The New York Times says, trust our source. We won't tell you who it is. You can't see him. You have no idea who said this. And I love it when they say sources familiar with so-and-so's thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with the president's thinking, too, because I watch CNN. <laughs> Does that make me a credible source? Apparently to these people. Yeah. And I, so I look at Wikipedia and it's become it's it's very obviously a, a political machine at this point. Yeah. It, uh, politicians in Congress edit it. You can you can go in and see the IP addresses. Yeah. There There's companies called reputation management firms that you can hire anyone. You can go hire. If you want a Wikipedia page, let's say you're, you know, you're, you're a senior level manager at a company and you're like, man, I want people to know who I am. You got five grand. You just contact a reputation management firm. They'll do everything that needs to be done from editing Wikipedia to getting the new sources created to then be credible and make it look like there's a grassroots efforts to defend you if someone tries to get your page deleted and they'll win. Because when you've got an army of unpaid Wikipedia editors versus a massive corporation getting paid, guess who's likely going to win? So at what point did you notice those things, Larry? Um, It was very gradual to tell the truth. I mean, we didn't. Let's put it this way. We knew when uh, I think his name is Virgil Griffith um, basically. published uh, 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 the identities of people, of organizations that uh, behind IP addresses that had edited Wikipedia. This is back in, like, I, I don't know. I want to say 2005. Um, and uh, the CIA was among them, right? And there were all kinds of, of politicians' uh, offices. So we knew back then, a long time ago, um, that... Because Wikipedia was already in the top 50 or whatever it was that they were going to start doing that, um, I think I didn't really get an idea of just how much the whole procedure might be controlled by um, various powerful forces um, un- until... Uh, just in the last, like, I'd say five years, because it, 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 ha- it really has turned from a, a well-meaning public service aimed at, at n- the neutral point of view, as, as it was called, as it still is called, but now cynically, um, to a, a slightly left-leaning reference that was like in 2005 or so. And then a clearly biased but still reference work in like 2010. And then basically in the last four years or so, um, it's just been nothing but propaganda. I mean, it's bad, at least when it, when it uh, goes into political topics and anything that has any sort of socio-political um, aspect to it. 
Um, and I, I want to add this also in, uh, to, to support what you're saying. Um, if you th- just think about it, and, and this is not to say we don't have evidence that this is the case also, but it just makes sense. Look, it's like uh, ranked 13 by um, Alexa.com, the, the website ranking service. Um, and it used to be, it used to be in the top five, so they've dropped a little bit, but it's still huge, right? And why wouldn't, given that so much of, of, uh, warfare and spying that goes on is, is digital now, right? It's, it's silly to think that, that, um, people would not be plowing enormous amounts of money into it, figuring out the way that the Wikipedia game is played and just manipulating it. And the thing is, it's all, it's a black box. Even the people who are thoroughly familiar with how the system actually works, there are lots of decisions that are made between the the power players in the system that we have no way of knowing about because the people involved are anonymous and it's not the decisions are not being made on I, the website. I can uh, uh, it, my favorite way to prove the, the the brokenness, the the failed state of Wikipedia is with uh, by going to the article man. So uh, I am not showing you these articles in any way to make a statement about the politics of gender identity or gender ideology. I am simply showing this because there is a contentious political issue in the area of, you know, transgender uh, spaces and, and, and gender ideology between conservatives and, uh, and liberals and progressives. I'm not going to make an assessment on that for the purpose of the segment. I'm going to show you Wikipedia being broken, quite simply. The first article we have is man. Wikipedia defines man as an adult male human. They say prior to adulthood, a male human is referred to as a boy. They do make exceptions for gender later on in this paragraph, but it says definitively opening statement, a man, uh, a man is an adult human, uh, adult male human. Let's go and see what male means. Male, according to Wikipedia, is the sex of an organism that produces the gamete known as sperm. A male gamete can fuse the larger female gamete or ovum in the process of fertilization. A male cannot reproduce sexually without access to at least one ovum from a female. Now, I'd like to show you trans man. Trans man, according to Wikipedia, definitively opening statement. A trans man is a man who was assigned female at birth. The word man in this article, trans man, links you back to the first article, which says a man is an adult male human. Now, I am not saying any of this again about the politics in any way of, of transgender, but how can Wikipedia simultaneously claim that a trans man is a man, but that a man produces sperm while admitting or acknowledging a trans man does not? So it, it's, it's a, it's a broken feedback loop of an, of a, an illogical assessment. What happened is on Wikipedia, there are various uh, genres, I suppose. The science editors are adamant about controlling their space in science. Yeah. You will likely not find a hard biological, you know, evolutionary biologist or biologist who is going to tell you that male means anything other than this sper- gamete sperm or, or something to that effect. Right. However, because of the way that impacts political ideologies, 
you then have political ideologues and activists who dominate the other space, which would involve gender ideology. They then assert a trans man is a man, a trans woman is a woman. However, the science uh, portion of Wikipedia does not agree and will not. But because there's more science editors in that space, Mm -hmm. the activists can't change that article. If you have four activists and six science writers, the six science writers will dominate the discussion. But in the activist space about transgender ideology, the inverse is true. And thus, you create an encyclopedia that contradicts itself. Yeah. That's that's the very the easiest way to point out, uh, in my opinion. And I only I only use the the, uh, the issue of transgender ideology simply because it is prominent in today's news space, and there is a hot political uh, uh, conflict over this. And again, I understand a lot of people say there shouldn't be. That's not the point. The point is, if you want to call conservatives transphobes, well, then you've got transphobes who are editing Wikipedia in in uh, contradicting the posts by these individuals. How can you have an encyclopedia that tells you two different things? Or an ill makes an illogical statement. Yeah, well, that's because it's it's collaborative. Basically, it's made by, um, as as you say, different groups of people. You you explained it beautifully. I, I I think that's absolutely right. Well, so then the issue becomes when you look at someone like Project Veritas, when you look at someone like James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, mm-hmm. Wikipedia is allowing unreliable sources and conjecture to be used as encyclopedic fact. Right, right. Well, they bless certain sources as, you know, uh, pre-approved. That, I mean, they, they include all kinds of stuff that is, uh, by any objective measure, pretty far left. Um, and, and they ban all sorts of stuff that is merely on the right and not even very far right. Um, and it's... Yeah, basically they they have selected the sources. Let, let's put it this way: I I wrote uh, an article um, for my blog, and it's been cited a lot in the, the last few months. Um, I think it's called um, Wikipedia is biased or something like that. I can't remember. Simple enough. Yeah, um, and it's it's really. Uh, uh, it's very clear that Wikipedia ha- takes sides in the culture war now. Didn't Absolutely. used to, um, but uh, any topic that you can think of that is important to the culture war, you know, from you know topics like abortion um, to subjects like religion to figures like Hillary Clinton or Ronald Reagan and to um, you know philosophies and everything else, um, anything that has a, a connection uh, to the culture war, Wikipedia now um, takes the left side of the dispute. And that, I don't, even five years ago, it wasn't so clear. Um, it was biased five years ago, but at least they, they allowed the other side a say, right? Um, even if it was, if, if it was, biased and 15 years ago it was still running off the original steam of of real neutrality and you actually it was it was striking back then to me compare to compare wikipedia to things like cnn or for that matter fox news of the time you know where they you could go there and you could really learn in depth 
about different competing sides of all these different issues. That is no longer the case. If you go and, and you look at about the issue, one of the issues that I, that I found was, um, the adoption, uh, of, of, um, uh, well, adoption generally by uh, gay couples. That's uh, an issue that that is somewhat controversial. Um, there are different points of view on that, and uh, there you wouldn't know that from the Wikipedia article. You mentioned uh, the black box of Wikipedia and the power players that yeah. kind of run, if not, you didn't say run the site. I don't want to put words in your mouth there, but. Uh, Sounded like they're making the decisions, and they're, you say they're not people that work for the company, but how, who are they? That's a good question. Um, I I don't know. Um, some of them work for PR firms, right? Uh, and 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 companies that specialize in the uh, uh, management of reputation via Wikipedia. Okay. I think there's got to be a fair number of people who work for spy agencies, not just like the CIA and FBI, but all around the world, probably, you know, um, doing battle with each other to make sure that the, that the uh, articles are, are uh, reading the right way. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of corporate shills. There must be, again, there has to be. Um, it would be, they would be irresponsible frankly, given the nature of the system, not to, you know, spend some money and and uh, just make the, the truth as represented by Wikipedia um, reflect what they want it to be. And you said that you thought a solution might be to get people to have their real IDs in order to be able to be an editor on Wikipedia. Well, I... Um, I'm, that's not a proposal that I'm making about Wikipedia. I think it's a good idea. It's never going to happen. But at the very least, what they could do, and this is more conceivable only under great public pressure, will they even do this much? They need to at least identify by real names and identities the people who are making the important editorial decisions for Wikipedia. So the administrators the check users and the bureaucrats, as they are called it's, in the system. Can you, can you describe what the check users are really quick? The check users, um, if I remember right, are, are the people who have the ability to look up the IP address associated with any account. If you just go there and you make an edit and you're not logged in, which is still possible on Wikipedia, um, then your uh, edit will be credited to an IP address. Everybody can see that. Um, but if you simply make an account, then you can have your IP address hidden from people except for the check users and, and people who are above them. Thank you. It just seems like the uh, uh, the people in power, they're biased. They're, 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 they're part of the cult. They're part of the, uh, the, tri uh, the, the leftist tribe. And you, you talk about changes that need to happen, but I just don't see that being possible. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see at any point the New York Times shifting back to reality. Because the people who control the New York Times are either deferential to or part of the cult. Yeah. I'm not really quite sure what you mean by by cult, but... Um, I'm just being offensive. I'm, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm poking them on purpose. <laughs> I'm talking about the the ultra-woke tribal leftist establishment yeah. types. Right, right. I, they're definitely part of the establishment now. 
I mean, and cold, the, I basically mean establishment. The very idea would have been absurd to us back in 2001, 2002. That, I mean, Wikipedia was part of a counterculture, um, partly because we were willing to represent all different points of view, um, partly because we were not beholden to any sort of corporate interests and so forth. But and and even now, Wikipedia, um, even though it gets big donations from Google, so it kind of looks like the Wikimedia Foundation is is beholden to Google and maybe some others with deep pockets. Nevertheless, they they say they're not responsible for the editorial decisions. Um, and I think that's true, probably, that the, the Wikimedia Foundation people there are not really responsible for for the vast majority of editorial decisions on on Wikipedia, so it doesn't really matter necessarily that they're that they're giving money uh, to the Wikimedia Foundation. It doesn't matter. Those people still have ways of getting money to the people who are making the decisions on Wikipedia. And there, not only do we have some evidence that uh, of that, you know, individuals coming saying that, and PR firms saying, "Well, yeah, that's what we do," but it's obvious. Right. I mean, why wouldn't they? This is how th that's what PR is. Right. You use all available um, avenues that affect uh, your client's uh, reputation. That's what it's about. Wikipedia yeah. is hugely influential. So, of course, it's happening. Why wouldn't it? Be? So Wikimedia is outsourcing the the burden of editorialization. It's kind of like when the government outsources their technology programs to private corporations, they can't get FOIA requests because they're, they're not the ones working on it. So we can't sue Wikimedia because they're not the ones that are doing this, maybe getting paid or bribed by Alphabet or right. Google. Well, that's, that's, that's certainly um, what their defense would be. Yeah. And, and you actually would have to have their cooperation, at least if you wanted to sue um, the people who are responsible for defamation using Wikipedia, and they don't want to cooperate with that at all. Right now, uh, Wikipedia is known as a platform and not a publisher. Is that right? You were there, saying? There's no oh, sure. legal distinction anyway, so like it's irrelevant. Well, for the sake of suing them uh, under Section 230 no, protection. That's irrelevant. Bypass it. Well, if they were a, pla a publisher, that, that, wouldn't then you? No, that makes no distinction. Really? Yeah. The issue is whether or not the speech came from Wikipedia or from its users. It doesn't matter if you're a platform or a publisher. You could be a plumbing company, and if you have a comment section on your website and someone comments it's something defamatory, you can't be. But sued. if the if they edit the, the their users' comments and they're overseeing and making sure they're allowed, then aren't they then if a it was publisher? An, if it was an employee of Wikipedia that made a statement, then you could sue Wikipedia. But what if it's an employee that oversaw a statement and said, that's okay nope. to be on our website? Nope. Yeah, I don't think you're actually disagreeing here. I, I think that, that uh, just what it means to say that they have uh, Section 230 immunity is just to say that the, the, um, the editing activity that's going on is not being done by the foundation. It's being done by the users, and therefore the foundation can't be sued um, right. for, for the for the. So in, in, in the instance of James O'Keefe suing Twitter, Twitter publicly stated James O'Keefe did X. They, they're claiming that James was running multiple accounts. Yeah. Because they said that, James can sue Twitter. What yeah. someone tweets, you can't sue someone for. So a blue checkmark, checkmark journalist can lie about James O'Keefe and he can't sue Twitter for it. Wikipedia is the exact same. 
It's the users who write the pages, not Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. However, I think you still need to start suing. And yeah, I, I think, I think so the too. issue is the only way you actually can get through these suits is with case law. Uh, Times v. Sullivan, which set the standard, was a lawsuit which set the standard. So the only way to break through is to start suing until you find you, you, you have the appropriate argument. You argue Wikipedia is a publishing platform where they make statements of fact as an encyclopedia. They call themselves an encyclopedia, which means users are to infer that Wikipedia is a place where facts are being discussed. If a user posts something and is agreed upon by a plethora of users, then I would argue that Wikipedia must either include this is the opinion of our users in every page. Otherwise, Wikipedia is asserting it's a fact. So my argument would be by putting the free encyclopedia on every page. Here we have Andy No. The encyclopedia makes the average person believe they are reading facts. It does not say on this page, this page was written by a group of users who do not work for Wikipedia. How is the average person supposed to know the inner workings of Wikipedia? So you have to, you have to think about the intricacies of, of, of big tech infrastructure. Most people know that when a tweet appears and it says Ian Crossland, it's a picture of you. And then it's, and then it says something like, you know, uh, uh, I made a, a new loaf of bread with honey in it today. That statement came from Ian Crossland because Ian's name is on it. But forward-facing Wikipedia pages do not say that. You have to view the history in a different page. The page that is produced, I would argue, is actually published a statement from Wikipedia and not a statement from its users because the statements from its users are visible only in a different page called the View History page. If a bunch of users come together, and, and imagine it this way. If a bunch of people tweet things, uh, uh, let, let's say I tweet Ian Crossland made kombucha. Lydia tweets Ian Crossland made bread. And then Twitter posts with a Twitter logo, Ian Crossland made bread and kombucha. That is a statement from Twitter, mm. not from us. And it's up to them to verify whether or not your opinions. Well, there's still there's still there's still the actual malice standard where Twitter could then argue that we believe this to be true based on the statements of Ian's friends, which a judge would probably find fair. And many states have what's called anti-slap legislation, which would knock this out immediately, making it very difficult to sue. The issue is you need to sue until until you win. Yeah, I, I you make it uh, really you state that argument very well. And and um, I want to see it tested in uh, in court. I I would just make more I, because I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to try to pretend to be able to mount legal cases or anything. But it, I am a philosopher, so I'm going to talk about the philosophical aspects of it. Um, the uh, the current legal situation in in which there is no legal recourse in the uh, under the current like case law and the current statutory framework that is supposed to govern wikipedia it it makes it possible for people to be grossly defamed by wikipedia and there is no recourse for that it's an incredibly unjust situation um it just introduces all sorts of evil into the world that should not be permitted in a uh, in a, a civilized society. Um, it's so basically, um, there has to be some way to force a, uh, 
a, a legal recourse. And I don't know precisely what it is. Maybe it's changing the law. But I think Money. there's got to be a, 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 a judge out there who's going to say, look, um, John Siegenthaler Sr. or whoever, Cheryl Atkinson is another good example. I've talked to her a lot about her um, problems with with uh, Wikipedia and a lot of other people. Um, all of these people um, need some way to be able to correct Wikipedia. Um, they need to be able to set the record straight because there is a record. It's it's taken to be factual, just as you say. That's absolutely right. right. Well, if, if it said every citation showed the user who said it, mm-hmm. then I would say that's a user's comment. But if a user makes a comment and then Wikipedia puts it all into a page, I, I, I don't see that as a user comment. I, yes. see, that, I see that as yeah. Wikipedia yes. making a statement. Yeah. Here's, here's another part of an argument, perhaps, and this, this is more perhaps legal argument, that this wasn't the case back in 2001, but it is now. Wikipedia has a reputation it's a very important reputation because if something appears on Wikipedia, a lot of people just assume that it's factual, right? Um, and, well, what are people supposed to do when uh, lies, really damaging lies, occur in that sort of situation? Uh, well, um, they could try suing the Wikimedia Foundation, but... The Wikimedia Foundation is going to cite Section 230. They can try to sue the uh, the user, but how are they going to find out who the user is if the user is anonymous? So they could sue. There could be a class action lawsuit against the Wikimedia Foundation to the following um, by uh, all these people who are harmed by the Wiki- Wikipedia system, which basically allows all of these anonymous people to um, to say damaging things that have no recourse. That's itself a damaging situation for all of those people. It's a it's a perfect class action lawsuit because it's a whole class that is affected by think, the um, by the, the situation. Do you think it would force Wikipedia Wikimedia to shut down if they were sued like that? Probably not. I mean, they, something had happened, I hope. <laughs> I, I know they ask for donations every year. That they, It seems like they're bootstrapped. I don't know if they're well, actually getting funded by Google. They, they probably got enough money, but you still got to fund They've race. got a lot of money, and they've got a huge endowment. And they're not hurting for money in any way, shape, or form. I had uh, some smear pieces written about me. I mean, it happens periodically, but I don't get it nearly as much as some other people, which is really fascinating to me. So, I, you know, I pulled up Andy Noe's uh, Wikipedia, and boy, is it in-depth. Like, they, these people write about everything the guy does. My Wikipedia is, like, kind of barren, and they're like, why won't anybody write about this guy? I guess no one really cares. But when, when, I, when I had articles written about me that smeared me, I remember I called a, a lawyer. I called some friends, some people with legal experience, and I was told this news article first— if an academic writes an opinion piece and then a news outlet says a new study says Tim Poole does X, you can't sue the news outlet. They're referencing a study. Now, the study will claim that they just analyzed information and are giving an expert opinion. You can't sue them either. So, OK, so what do you do when an academic who's an ideologue for the for what do they call it, the humanities? 
assert something to be a scientific fact when it's just their absurd opinion. Nothing. Well, when the when a news outlet actually smeared me definitively as the writer, I had talked with a lawyer and they said, you can't sue. And I said, why? And they were like, the things they're saying about you are opinions. And I was like, but this is a news article. They're saying Tim Pool did this. And they're like, yeah, but that's an opinion. And I was like, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm flabbergasted by this. I think that, you need a new lawyer. No, no, no. I've talked to many lawyers and they are correct. So I, I, I talked to lawyers for 10 years about copyright infringement, manipulation, lies and smears. And I, 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 I'm not going to pretend to be as, as well versed as a lawyer, but I've been through this many times. The problem was when, so if, if they, if they read an article that says Ian Crossland is a white supremacist, neo-Nazi, who, co- who who associates with neo-Nazis, those are all opinions. You can't sue them. Well, James O'Keefe sued because the New York Times said they were deceptively editing or, or something to that effect. And this is when we got new new precedent, or at least something you could, you could reference so far, where the judge said, if you are writing a fact-based news article or an article that's purporting to be fact, stands to reason if you have, if your employees are injecting or interjecting their opinions, you must inform your readers of that. This is what brings me to the, ar- the argument I'm making about Wikipedia. Same exact argument made by that judge. If Wikipedia is asserting two things, that their articles are cited with reliable sources, and the articles are not opinion pieces. This is an encyclopedia, right? Encycl- encyclopedia means fact. It's the facts about the, the issue. But they're not showing the user posts. Nor are they putting this article was authored by and a list of every single person who wrote it. Then Wikipedia itself is making this statement. So it's a very similar argument I'm looking at. This is what's changing the game. And it's only possible because Project Veritas decided to sue. Even though many lawyers probably said you can't win. They said we're going to sue anyway. I've talked to way too many lawyers. I've talked to James about this on the show. We've talked about this. And it's very difficult. James O'Keefe up on his website. Take this out. Over at projectveritas.com, they have a donation page. Donate to support our lawsuit against the New York Times. They're trying to raise $1 million. And you know what? I'm willing to bet it's going to cost them more than a $1 million to sue the New York Times. So when you're a small YouTuber or Twitter personality, or maybe you got 100,000 followers, and then a news outlet that has a 24-year-old far-left extremist who writes articles for them, writes mangled garbage saying Ian Crossland is a white supremacist, how are you supposed to have a million dollars to sue a major news organization? That 20, 22 to 24 year old psychopath has the powerful institution at their back and they can say whatever they want. You can't. So this is why we talked about this with James of the People's Def- Defamation Defense Fund. We're entering a ter- we're entering territory where everyone is a public figure. A kid standing on the stairs, Lincoln Memorial was what they tried arguing he was an involuntary public figure. You got a Twitter account, they'll argue he's a public figure. She's a public figure. Therefore, the actual malice standard applies. How is somebody who is just like a social media user supposed to compete with the New York Times? It's a scary thing. Hmm. Project Veritas got past the motion to dismiss. And they're they're well funded. You know, I think they're a multi million dollar operation. You can look at their their nine nineties, their 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 tax forms because they're a five one C three. And they have good money, but they don't, they don't make nearly as much as the New York Times does. The New York Times is bringing in what, like 50 million a month or some ridiculous number from subscriptions. The New York Times can just say, okay, everybody halt this month. We're going to dump 50 million to nuke James O'Keefe. And what do you do? It's called lawfare. So James has gotten pretty far and it's, it's amazing. This guy, 
you know, the right conservatives, moderates, the anti, anti-establishment, whatever you want to call this faction has very few active personalities, has very few individuals willing to go to war. The left, every single person on the left, for the most part, is willing to go nuts. They even throw bricks through windows and risk jail time. It makes me but people it, on the right don't do that. It makes me think of David and Goliath, this whole this whole story that Goliath is the large, unstoppable warrior guy and David's this little guy that has no chance in the eyes of the masses of winning. But because he, he actually has a chance, he knows he has a chance, and he has precision strike, he's able to throw a rock into the eye of Goliath and then blind him and then take him down. But he really had the ability to do it. If you have no ability, don't try. You're going to get killed. But James has has righteousness on his side, I believe. These people are doing the wrong thing. New York Times. Well, was well, def- well, it seems like they are defaming. But, but Twitter seems like they are right, defaming. Right, right, right. You, you, you are correct, but you have to recognize David still needed the rock and the sling. Yes. So there's a lot of people with righteousness on their side, or a better word, a better way to phrase it is the truth on their side, but do they have the sling and the rock? Which is the money, the fundraising. Exactly. To be able to pay the lawyers. And if mm-hmm. you're a random beggar on the street seeking to defeat Goliath and people are like, I don't know you and you're walking around begging, you're not going to get the resources yeah. you need. Well, I like this people's defamation de- PDF, PDDF, what PDDF, PDDF. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, that. like basically uh, an open community fund that will help people sue for defamation against these large. I, I think Wikipedia needs to be sued. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, let me, let me tell you something. I remember when um, Cassandra Fairbanks sued over being defamed because someone claimed that she flashed a white power hand gesture. When she was just making the okay sign, it's not, it's not, but sure, whatever the media just kept saying it was because 4chan said it was and congratulations, now it is. I, I wonder when I see a lot of these lawsuits, I'm very curious, like, why the arguments tend to be so weak. And, you know, typically I just assume I must not know enough about the law, you know, to frame a popular, a, a proper legal argument, but then invariably these lawsuits fail. And I'm like, these judges are people. They're not morons. Have you tried explaining to them in basic terms instead of just making these ridiculous arguments? Why not just say, like, take a look at your honor. What do you think? And then you might lose, I guess. There's probably there's good lawyers and there's bad lawyers, I suppose, one way to put it. But I'm wondering, why is it that I'm sitting here and I can see what Wikipedia is doing and I can I, I can I can break down for you exactly what I see is wrong with this? And it's what I said. When you go to Twitter and you Larry tweet something, we know it came from you. But Wikipedia is an encyclopedia, and it doesn't list its users in the article. Even if you go to the New York Times, the New York Times puts a byline so you know who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Am I? Su- you know, I'll be honest. I can't tell you who wrote anything on my Wikipedia page. You know why? I'd have to go through three or 400 pages to look at every single individual to figure out what user this actually came from. Even then, you're only going to get IP addresses. Some of them, of yes. Yeah. So... It's not even an issue of coming from users. It's just random garbage splashed into a background that Wikipedia then publishes it under its own name. Nowhere on Wikipedia does it say this is user general. Does, does it say in the article? This article is written by a, an, an amalgam of users. Here are the users. Here's how many there are. They're going to need to buy Wikipedia.com. It is Wikipedia. It basically is. And that's all it is. It's Wikipedia. I'm sure they own that. But, um, you know, so to summarize your point and the point that I was making then, um, Wikipedia has this, this, um, total, uh, how, how do you, you put it? Um, it, it has its reputation. It's asserting 
putting its reputation behind the claims, the factual claims that are in the articles. That's on the one hand. Now, on the other hand, they are not taking responsibility for the anonymous contributions, and yet it is precisely the system of anonymous contributions that um, that they're putting their reputation behind. So they're responsible. They're responsible for the anonymity. That they they're they're uh, on principle. They're re- they're responsible for the anonymity, and therefore, insofar as that is the cause of the the problem, they bear the uh, the burden. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. My my page on Wikipedia is locked right now, meaning users can't edit it without special permissions. I mean, that sounds like you have to you have to have a certain number of edits, I believe. In order oh, well, to, that uh, sounds like a, a job criteria. What's the difference between the New York Times saying you have to have approval from the editor or Wikipedia saying you have to have approval from our editors? Yeah, well, I mean, they've got they've got standards, but the standards are, are supposed to be enforced only by the uh, volunteers. So it's a volunteer community. That's what they're going to say. If Jane Doe writes an article for the New York Times saying Ian Crossland punched a dog. Oh, Jane, I'm coming And for it's you. a false statement of fact. You could sue. The crazy thing is, even in that case, there's still actual malice and, and, and anti-slab legislation. But the idea is you could sue the New York Times. James O'Keefe sued the New York Times because I think two reporters made statements about him. The New York Times as an organization is responsible for publishing the speech of these individuals. Why? They're just users on a website. Why is the New York Times responsible for liable, uh, able to be sued over what users wrote? Because, because they're, they're in the pay. Because they're employees. Yeah. That means I should be able to uh, publish articles on TimCast.com as statements of fact and say whatever I want about, about anybody, and I can't be sued for it. If Wikipedia can do it, why can't I? <laughs> yeah. Wikipedia has, a, has, it, has its, its, its mass head. Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. And then it has all of these statements that are written by who? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think it should just be because they're paid employees of the New York Times. And that's why New York Times is liable. I think because like a social network that has unpaid users, if the social network masks that and just posts the users' comments as like Minds, if Minds was to do that. And this is Minds' statement. So now, we, we can open. That would also be equally suable, I would think. So, th- so this, this should mean that I can open up members of TimCast.com to submit articles that I choose which will appear and just say, I didn't write it. It was a user on my website who submitted it. I just chose to have it published under my brand name like Wikipedia does. And you can click the source and see only in the back end a list of different people who contributed to it. And IP ad- only an IP address. We have no idea who wrote it. Just IP. Sue me. What are they going to do? You know, maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should clone the Wikipedia model because what will happen is if someone sues and wins, I'll go, oh, no. <laughs> then I'll turn around and sue Wikipedia. That's like for everything. If, you're, if they're committing war atrocities against your people and you start committing war atrocities against theirs, it's not necessarily the best tactic. I see I'm, your point. I'm not just saying. Just prove I'm, a point. Like, look how horrible this is. No, I'm saying we, we, but, can, write, we can write our opinions about people. I can it, Look, if Wikipedia is, is issuing opinion pieces and asserting their fact, then why can't I? I think you legally can right now. I would, I would, you know what I'll do? I'll have users write articles and I'll call it the encyclopedia from timcast.com. 
and then I'll define encyclopedia, and then people can write whatever they want. At least make a movie about <laughs> it, like a short five-minute ridiculous dystopian nightmare where everyone And then I'll just I'll just it. say section 230. You can't sue me over, my, over what my user said. And they'll say, yeah, but you're the one who's choosing what's get published. I'll be like, so is Wikipedia. Twitter, Twitter bans people. They choose what's acceptable on their site. Right. I am simply moderating for, for hate speech. All right. Yeah, I just got to make sure we don't get hate speech. I... Yeah, and actually, the Wikimedia Foundation is is doing that to a certain extent. They've they've actually uh, announced a few months ago that, that they're adopting uh, new policies um, along those lines. Um, so that's uh, that's interesting. Banning hate speech. We we should start talking about solutions now. I mean, yeah. uh, legal solutions. So you you were at Wikipedia up until when did you leave? I, I, I was just there at the beginning, basically. 2001 Um At the beginning of 2002, I was there for the first 14 months. Um, or you could say uh, the first uh, a little over two years, if you include the, the Newpedia part. The Newpedia part is important because Wikipedia couldn't have taken off as fast as it did if, if uh, Newpedia weren't behind it. And- but when you left, did you had you seen something going awry at the company? Is that why you left, or did you just have well, sort of? Uh, I I made a an ultimatum to to Jimmy Wales. First, I I left because they stopped paying me um, because they they their source of funding. Um, I was the last of the new hires to be to be laid off. Okay, fine, and I needed to to um, spend my time actually making money. Um, but then I permanently distanced myself from the Wikipedia uh, project uh, at the end of 2002, the beginning of 2003. Um, and I, I made Jimmy Wales an ultimatum. I basically said, you need to do something about the problem users that are driving away all the good people. Um, and you need to give some way, uh, some sort of role, even if it's very almost nominal um, that that academics experts can have in the system, maybe um, uh, approving on a different website official versions of site uh, of, of uh, articles um, and he he basically rejected both out of hand it 's like i don 't see the problem that you 're seeing is what he told me I could see like a switch that you would flip in the upper left if you wanted to create an overlay that was like the academic overlay mm-hmm. of, a, of, of any given Wikipedia page or something yeah. like that. So that, you don't have to bounce a, off the web. It's actually what uh, Citizendium does. Oh, so what is Citizendium? So Citizendium, um, and, and like I stopped working on it over 10 years ago now. Um, so, and I'm not, I'm no longer uh, even the owner. I gave ownership of that to, to someone else. And, and I, I'm sure she'll be announcing it when, when uh, the time is right. Um, but uh, the, the the principles, um, the following principles are are still true. Um, there's still a, a commitment to um, being more cordial toward good writing, to actually having a coherent narrative that 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 pulls the article into a single coherent whole. Um, and um, the other thing is that there needs to be real names. So there has to be real world consequences for making your claims. So, and, and a third thing, um, or is it fourth? There's, um, you have to agree to a, a sort of statement of principles when you're give, when you're given an account. 
So it's not hard to get an account on, on and actually you can make an account for yourself, but, but it, it becomes sort of official, um, after your, uh, somebody reviews the account. This was like a project that you started after you left Wikipedia? Uh, yeah. Well, in 2006, uh, it really got a, a big start in 2007. There was like front page news and all kinds of newspapers. There was a big AP feature story with a sidebar and, and there's a lot of reporting about it. And then it kind of petered out after a, a year or two, um, mostly because Wikipedia had its greatest growth curve at the time um and uh so i i wish citizenium uh all the best um but it's uh the system is too similar to wikipedia frankly um people who want to work in on that sort of thing um tend to go to wikipedia I think actually when when they do a sort of relaunch of the website, and I don't know when that's going to happen, um, perhaps this year, um, there's going to be a lot of renewed interest in, in Citizendium. So there's, a, th- th- there's another uh, um, alternative to Wikipedia that has been around for a while. It's called Conservapedia. Oh, Have yeah. you ever seen it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you ever seen no. it? No. So uh, first, let me just pull up regular old Conservapedia, and it says the trustworthy encyclopedia. Sure. And if you go to Conservapedia.com, you can see uh, featured on Conservapedia, over 800 million page views, 1.5 million edits. You've got popular articles like Second Amendment, Satan, Gun Control, Chess, Bible, George Patton. All right. Well, let's, let's jump over to uh, Equal Rights Amendment. That was one of the featured articles. What does Conservapedia say about it? It was a proposed amendment to the U.S. Constitution passed in Congress 1972, sent to the states for advocation. Okay, blah, blah, blah. We get the point. It's got numerous citations, very similar to Wikipedia. All right. This is a, a U.S. A, a .gov citation. It seems it seems uh, this article is pretty good on Conservapedia. Well, let, let's, let's see what it says about uh, Joe Biden. Joseph Robinette Joe Biden Jr. is the current occupant of the White House. <laughs> His right-hand henchman... Chief of Staff Ron Klain has tweeted that 68% of Americans are correct in their... Uh, I, I'm not even going to read this stuff. And it's got a picture of Joe who looks freaked out. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I'll tell you this. Conservapedia is more biased than Wikipedia is. And Wikipedia is pretty bad. I think Wikipedia is, is definitely giving them a run for their money. <laughs> I mean, it's almost a, a parody of, of uh, itself now. Um, there is a, another even more insanely left um, uh, source out there uh, called Rational Wiki. And they're just the yeah, worst of the worst of the Wikipedia conspiracy site. Um, well, of leftist uh, right. uh, flavor. Yes. Well, it, look, it's because conservatives don't do anything. Sorry, that's just the that's just the reality. They're sitting at they're sitting in their houses, minding their own business. They want to be well, left that, that's alone. That's what conservatism is. Right. I mean, I I mean, it's all about like wanting to to uh, be left to your own devices and and to basically preserve the order. And you know, like uh, causing a lot of noise is is uh, interrupting uh, the the order that but, you but want to exist. They're not preserving the order. Yeah, no, it's like not. If, if you're sitting in your chair, they and actually you're watching... have to fight now, unfortunately. So, so, so right now what we see is Wikipedia was dominated uh, at the institutional level by left, you know, leftists, tribalists. They, they're all, all about the tribe, nothing else. Media institutions, same thing. 
corporations, digital marketing, and conservatives have just sat back and watched it happen. Yeah. So then, uh, I guess, in the long term, you lose. That's right. So can I talk about my new project? Yeah. Absolutely. So what's, what's the solution? So the, the, the solution that I have been advocating for for a, a few years now and that I've, I've finally been able to start working on is, um, well, I now call it um, the encyclosphere. So the encyclosphere is not a website. It's not an app. It's not even a particular kind of software. Um, it will be, when it exists in all of its glory, um, it will do for encyclopedias what the blogosphere does for blogs. It's going to be a network of encyclopedias. So what ought to exist is uh, the ability to find the latest and greatest articles from any source that isn't uh, articles that are encyclopedia articles um, to, to surface the best very quickly, even if they were just written a couple of days ago. They should be able to leapfrog over the the lame stuff that's on, on Wikipedia that appears there only because Google happens to, to push it at people because it's on, on Google. Are you, are you familiar with cytogenesis? Sure, yeah. You've heard of this? Oh, yeah. So this is a, I believe it was a XKCD comic that coined the phrase. Is yeah. that it? So what happens is someone will randomly edit, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, someone randomly edits a Wikipedia page with, like a f- with fake information. Yeah. And then a writer at the Huffington Post will be like, I need to write about Larry Sanger. So they pull up the wiki and it says he once, you know, he, he was a, 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 an Air Force pilot in World War II. Yeah. And then they go, they go to, they go to their, write their article and say, Larry Sanger, an Air Force pilot from World War II, is also a co-founder of Wikipedia. Publish. Then someone on Wikipedia says, hey, whoa, 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 what is this? What is this they're claiming this guy was an Air Force pilot in World War II? He's not that old. And then someone will go, ah, it's right here from Huffington Post. And then they add the source. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now it gets cited in Wikipedia. And Cytogenesis references that Wikipedia fake information is used by journalists and then becomes the source for itself. It's so gross. Right. It's like eating right. your own poop. So how do you solve for that in, in your you know, solution? Well, cause you, you mentioned jumping over Wikipedia, for instance. So I'm like, how do you get past things like that? Okay. Well, that's, that's an issue about quality. Um, and what I, what I propose, um, is if we're already defining, uh, technical standards for the publishing of encyclopedia articles in the same way that, that RSS and Adam are technical standards for defining the publishing of blog posts, right? Um, so if we're already doing that, then we ought to be able to add to those standards um, some, uh, some standards for evaluating articles, for allowing people to post their ratings of articles. Um, so a, a sort of decentralized, centerless, leaderless system for um, allowing people to declare what their rating of, of various uh, of the various contents of the encyclosphere is. And and by the way, the encyclosphere is not like a new encyclopedia. It's not an encyclopedia. It's a collection of, of all the existing encyclopedias, or it will be, plus any new stuff that is added. I know? have a solution. Yeah, okay. Why don't I just, like, buy some Funkin' Wagnalls or Britannica? <laughs> Those still exist, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what about the paid encyclopedias? I mean, those... 
could be an easy path, or are those institutions biased as well? Uh, well, a, a, a little bit, not nearly or as bad as, as Wikipedia. But what dated? It, I it doesn't that doesn't solve the the problem. Um, they're relatively small, and um, people go to Wikipedia. The reason that Wikipedia took off in the first place is that it's got all kinds of information that can't be found in other sources, and yeah. unfortunately, that's still the case. I it's fortunate that it exists, right? So don't get me wrong about that. I I've never denied that wikipedia is very useful it is um but it's unfortunate that that's the only easily findable source of information but if there were simply a way to get the information easily in front of people from many different sources as if it were all in one source then well, I think people would actually use that rather than, than um, Wikipedia. It's kind of like what we're working on with the Fediverse. Are you familiar with the Fediverse? Yeah, well, it de decentralizes encyclopedias. Um, so uh, the, the Fediverse decentralizes uh, social media. I'm wondering when you do ratings on uh, encyclopedia articles. So if you want a, a grand user rating system, so you want to put the best stuff to the top, if you get one article with 100 ratings... 98 of them are four or five stars. Two of them are one star. Would then you look at that user that put the one star and look across their, their scope of ratings and see if they've often given ratings that are counter to the mass and then downgrade their value as a rater. Yeah. Well, you're thinking about this from the point of view of an app developer, which is fine. Um, but that's, if you really want a decentralized system, you can't think in those terms. What you want to do is simply, uh, create the, the, um, the technical infrastructure, the architecture as it's called, um, for, for getting the ratings out there and associating them with, with an identity, a real, uh, a trustworthy identity. So I, if, if a rating of an article about epistemology, say, um, claims to be from me, somebody can prove that it is actually from me. So you need to solve this sort of sorts of technical problems. And then once the data is out there, just like once all of the blogs are out there or once all of the encyclopedias are out there using the same standard, then there can be a zillion different apps that are built on top of that. And you don't have to agree on whose ratings are, are worth um, you know, uh, following and, and using and, and all the rest of that. You know, there can be a, a bunch of different algorithms for what deciding if, what the, the most uh, reliable article is. What if the solution is uh, actually kind of simple? Remake Wikipedia, but require real identities for everyone. That's what Citizendium did. Oh, really? Yeah. There's also peer identity, which is interesting because rather than me having to give you my driver's license and my identification, so I'm centralized in some database somewhere, if I get enough people, another peers to acknowledge that this is me, they see that I like dogs, I like Cocker Spaniels, I love the number four, I'm a big fan of the color green, just so you all know. And then they can be like, yeah, that's Ian. And then so all these peers across the network, also anonymous, yeah. can verify that they think that's me. And then you go to each of these people and they seem legit because other people have verified that they think that's them. You have a system of, you know, value. I don't, I don't yeah. think that changes just requiring it, someone to use their name. It enables anonymous, uh, peer, anonymous personalities. Oh, right. But you still, you, you have a verified identity, but not your, your Correct. real identity. Yes. Well, not your person. Yeah. It, it, let's, let's put it this way. Um, 
whatever the identity system looks like, I just want to make sure that it's not actually owned by the U.S. government or by Google or Apple um, or the U.N. Uh, or any other sort of giant um, organization that is not responsible to the people. It really needs to be a, a standard, a specification, a technical standard um, that just gets the information out there and then allows people to, you know, um, to come up with their own uh, systems of, of, in this case, identity. I agree. The problem is my identity is based on the, U- the U.S. government has given me my identity, gave me my social security number. That's and put, one source. Put a name on my birth certificate. Yeah. So, like, I am a product of this government right now. That's my, just my a, parents. That's just a My datum. identity. Yeah. That's just a datum, though, all right? We want a system of identity that is truly independent of that. Basically, if if you allow the government to own your digital identity, and this is that's what that's what it's called, digital identity. It's super important. It's going to be one of the hottest, most important issues in um, basically internet politics of the next several years. Um, if it's owned by the government, or if it's owned by Google, or whatever then they, in a certain way, they own you. Like, there's all kinds of things you won't be able to do if they decide to shut you off. Can't go so you have to be able to own your own, not just your own data, but also your own identity. And and right now, well, there's there's fighting going on. It's very low-key. It's very polite, but it's real. Um, fighting going on at the W3C. I know one of the people who... Is, is doing the fighting, actually, um, between uh, uh, corporate interests who want a, a system that can be controlled um, where you don't, in fact, own your own identity that corporate interests do versus um, a, a system where you can own your own identity. And you can you can lay claim to anonymous identities that doesn't force other people to to accept them. Though. I, want, I, I want to bring up this story real quick. Uh, this is from the Daily Mail. Pfizer CEO says a third COVID vaccine dose will be needed as soon as six months after someone receives two shots, and then people will be vaccinated annually. The reason I bring this up is first they said, you know, it's two shots. They say it's three. First said one mask, then two. Fine, whatever. My point is not necessarily the amount of shots you have to get, I guess, once a year. The issue is the vaccine passports and the private requirements for you to carry around some form of digital identity that will allow you access and carry around your private records. If they're coming out now saying, well, you need three. What happens if you get your vaccine and you're like, great, back to normal. Now you have your vaccine passport. We've normalized this. Then the CEO of a massive private corporation comes out and says, actually, you need three. Well, now all the other private corporations, the Walmarts, the stores, the, the, the cruises, the airlines are going to be like, well, the CEO of Pfizer said it. So we have to update our rules because they're the experts. Now you are forced to go back in. This is why we, we can't allow this kind of thing to be normalized. Mm-hmm. But it brings to the, 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 the I bring this up because the larger point you're making about a digital identity owned by the government is, for one, you're completely correct. We can't allow the ownership of our identities, but I think it's going to be private corporations that do this. Yeah, There's going to be a consortium of sorts that says we should have a standard like a blockchain thing. And then you have your private key. Won't everyone like this? Yeah. But then what happens? It's decentralized because it's on the blockchain. Right. No, 
Most blockchain projects are not decentralized. I'm here to tell you, folks, they're not really decentralized, not in the sense in which the DNS system and email and the blogosphere and Usenet, if you remember that, and many other things, the backbone of the Internet is decentralized. Blockchain ain't decentralized in that way. This is why I think um, Bitcoin is actually a really great risk to freedoms. And I've said this for a long time. Uh, it'll be worth a lot of money because I think there's powerful interests that realize the power of Bitcoin in being able to, to track everything you do. It's beautiful. The, the artificial intelligence, the fact that the, bo- the blockchain is public, they can track you. If you are using Bitcoin, you have started publishing your digital identity to a certain degree. Again, Bitcoin's very valuable. I have, I have some. It's been skyrocketing in value, I think, for obvious reasons. It's useful for governments. But I remember going back in, way back in the day, when Bitcoin was first gaining some prominence. And I had some anarchist left friends, some anarchist right friends. And it was really the, the, the anarchist left weren't really paying attention to this stuff. The, the, the libertarian and ANCAP people I knew were like, this is amazing. We can have a system of value to exchange. The government can't track it. And I was like, dude, this is the most easily tracked thing ever. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, you're wrong. And I was like, wow. How is it that you have walked into one of the most easily surveilled systems and you don't realize it? So what happens when Bitcoin becomes a standard? It's skyrocketing in value. What happens when a Bitcoin, which has eight eight decimal points, becomes worth the the equivalent of $1 million? You now have a digital international standard of easily tracked currencies that people will say it's decentralized to a certain degree. But if every massive major multinational corporation requires the use of Bitcoin, well, it's not really decentralized then because this international consortium can simply say, we all agree we will not accept Bitcoin from Ian. This address banned. And then any address associated with it banned. Right. And because it's publicly exchanged, you will have to, there's ways to do it, but you'll have to then essentially launder your coins to another address and then to a different address, maybe using Monero or something, so that they can't publicly see your coins or associated with a certain address. But what happens if they say, if we track any of these coins going through any address, they're no good anymore? Well, then there's nothing you can do. Those mm-hmm. coins are essentially defunct, and they've excised you from society. It's hard to do with cash. With hard U.S. dollars, you got paper money. It's valuable. You can hand it off to somebody. They don't know who had it or when they had it. I mean, they can track it to a certain degree. With Bitcoin, Ian's money could could be deemed all of the money in this address is now worthless. And anybody who trades in it will be banned from the network as well. And people will be like, I'm not trading with you, Ian. There's no way to get that money out. That's a beautiful, beautiful system. I'm, I'm, I've never uh, – look, I, I understand the technology. I think Ethereum is brilliant, brilliant technology. It's going to do a lot of really great things. But people don't realize – you know, when uh, uh, the far right, as they as they say, started taking Bitcoin, news outlets started publishing the amount of money these people had. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't think using Bitcoin as a store of, of value is really the future. I think it's the smart contracts themselves and the ability to transact a token, a digital piece of information that activates a program. Well, that's Ethereum. Yeah, Ethereum. And right, right, right. That's brilliant technology. You can remove the middleman of the dude sitting there flipping the switch for you mm-hmm. once he gets his paycheck. Like. The, the yeah, there's a lot tr- to do that. EOS is another one. That's that's what uh, that's what uh, the uh, Everpedia, the blockchain encyclopedia. Basically, they forked Wikipedia. And they added another million articles. A lot of them are auto-generated, but they've written a lot by hand for sure. 
um, about uh, all kinds of topics that aren't in Wikipedia. They're like not notable enough or something or people who are only internet famous or, or whatever. Um, and, uh, and it's cool and I, I, I support them. They actually are, um, uh, built on EOS. Um, unfortunately, they're an example, and I don't want to say anything too negative about even EOS here, but it bothers me. I'm, I'm sorry. I just have to say it that, that the block producers, at least back in 2019, I don't know what the current situation is. The people who are responsible for deciding what goes on the EOS blockchain, they were all owned by Chinese corporations so i mean okay it's decentralized in one sense but it's kind of centralized in another really what, important sense too uh, the, the issue is private corporations of which there is an ever decreasing amount that own everything the the ceo of disney can go to the ceo of unilever and be like hey so we agree like ian crossland's banned from society right and they'll make sure every company is is off limits to you. I truly believe we need a program that will allow every individual to spin up their own token that then they can use as their own value transaction. So if you want to subscribe to my channel, you can give me ten dollars a month, or you can give me nine dollars a month in Ian coin. But why, yeah. why, why would they have that? Will give you ten percent, so they get ten percent off. The listen, this is what yeah, this is what how Everpedia solves the problem. So I don't want to be come down too hard on them, but they have told me that if if EOS starts, if like the block producers, the Chinese block producers of EOS um, start censoring the content of uh, Everpedia, then they'll just make it possible to to um, transact edits, essentially, um, using a different coin. And that that would be cool if we can trust them. I just don't like having to trust people uh, yeah. when when the whole system is supposed to not require trust. Right. That's trust the less. whole idea. It's supposed to be trustless. So. I suppose we can just talk about the positives. In a sure. society with your digital identity owned by massive corporations, crime will be gone. People will get arrested immediately. There'll be no more need for investigations. Mm -hmm. Passion murder will happen. Ooh. Robberies will happen, but the people will be immediately apprehended and locked up in a private prison for, uh, you know, for profit. Uh-huh. Sounds <laughs> That's right. familiar. No more trials, all hard evidence. Everything's on the blockchain and tracked. And mm -hmm. we will all live walking around with forced smiles. I don't uh, like that. Everything <laughs> is great. I'm happy. Are you happy? Ian, you're I, happy. I, I want to talk about Encyclosphere. Uh, hey. Sure. Okay. No, that did, that didn't make me happy though. Damn, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> What's um? How far along are you with Encyclosphere right now? Um, so well, we've been doing laying the groundwork basically. Um, a few different things. So we we've we've raised some money, we've incorporated, and we've applied for five one c three status. We've got uh three different software projects going. Um. One is called FactSeek, factseek.org. It's just a, an encyclopedia meta search engine. It's, it's not much, but it's useful for sure. Uh, another one, another encyclopedia meta search engine is, um, and these aren't owned by us. They're just affiliated with us. And the, the, the people who are working on those are people who are, are committed to helping to develop the standards for, for publishing encyclopedias. Um, Let's see. Uh, the other one is called encyclosearch.org. Um, and then uh, we're also directly paying for the development 
um, it's not encyclopedia related, but it's still decentralized. Uh, of a plugin for WordPress that um, basically uh, it allows you to run your own micro blog. So like your own Twitter feed that you own, nobody can shut it down um, via a WordPress blog. So I'm already doing that on on um, a website called startthis.org. Um, but pretty soon that's going to be running a different theme. Um, and pretty soon after that, there's going to be a plug-in in addition to the theme. Um, and in a later iteration, it's actually going to be possible for different blogs to talk to each other. And it'll look just, it'll look and act something like Wikipedia does, but it's all going to be transacted via, um, blogging. Uh, standards, the RSS and Adam standards. So like when I pull up one of your articles, I'll be looking at like the dog went to the zoo and I'll be able to click on zoo and it'll take me or like mouse over the word zoo and it'll like pull up like a. Um, well, no, it's, uh, I was just now talking about about um, decentralizing social media using this WordPress plugin. If you're if you're asking about the encyclosphere, the encyclosphere is um so it's it's hard to explain and I apologize a lot of people aren't going to be able to get it on on the first pass and it's because it's it's comp- complicated I'm not accusing anyone of being dense there's all kinds of brilliant people who need this to explain several times um and that's not because I'm smart it's because it's got a lot of moving Parts, right? So the idea is we're building a network of encyclopedias, or another way to put it is we're building a way to network together all of the existing encyclopedias, and then for just ordinary people to add new content very easily and quickly. So imagine a search engine that that covers all of the existing encyclopedias. Maybe it doesn't have all of the content of the articles, but at least it has the metadata. So it allows you to find really quickly and easily the best encyclopedia articles on each topic. That it might be something you would use to find articles instead of uh, Wikipedia, if it were really good enough. Okay, what if, in addition to that, you had the ability... To, through, say, another WordPress blog plugin to, like, just press a button after you've written your own one-off encyclopedia article and it's added to the same database, then you wouldn't have to ask permission of anyone to uh, to add to this. And I think there would be all kinds of hobbyists and, and, um, and experts, and professors and researchers and all, all kinds of people who would be delighted to have a, an effective way of adding to the world's knowledge. And it wouldn't just like be buried way down in the search results of Google. It would actually be in a format that can be collected and redistributed in a zillion different ways by a bunch of different independent apps. See, so it's creating the technical infrastructure for people making lots of different competing apps that tap into the same body of encyclopedia articles. I would uh-huh. love for like, um, as I'm reading any boing boing article or whatever that I can mouse over and click on any word in the article or just mouse over and it'll show me an overlay if I want to pop this 
you know, in Cyclosphere app or whatever it is up. Browser extension. Bra- something like an extension. Sure, sure. As well as a, watching a video and you see the, the closed captions, I can choose any word that comes up in the closed caption. And if I see a bird flying by in the video, I could somehow search what, like, what is that? They, so that could bypass that. languages. They have that already. Yeah, it's been like around for some, for some time actually. Um, I think Google built it where you could be watching a video and then stop, or or they demoed this and the AI can identify in an image what a like Google does this. You can show an image and it'll be like, "This is a lamp. This is an, an apple." And so that was one of the ideas. You're watching a show, it could pause, and you could be like, "What's that shirt?" It would do an instant Google image search and then show you the product, where to buy it. Different idea. One's an encyclopedia, right. one's a market, but uh, you know, but we, we should jump over to super chats though. And uh, see what the audience has to say. And uh, I'm first going to state something. Uh, the other day, I get a message from my brother. And he's like, hey, buy Dogecoin. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. And so I just was like, fine. And I bought some Dogecoin. I didn't even think twice. I, I don't know. I don't care. I was like, sure, whatever. My 10-year-old son has bought Dogecoin. It was at so. 10 cents. It's at 25 cents oh, right wow. now. Wow. He's made money. <laughs> awesome. So I bought some. And I'm seeing the chat blow up where people are like, Dogecoin. Full disclosure, I bought some. I am not. Uh, confidence. I just didn't care all that much because it's a quarter. So I like just bought some and, uh, and that now it's, well, we'll see. Could you imagine? I, here's what I, I would, I would love this considering I just bought some Dogecoin. I would love Dogecoin to, to beat Bitcoin and become the actual, but I guess Doge has no real support or something. I don't know. Anyway, my friends, smash that like button. If you'd like to support the show and subscribe, we are going to take your super chats. The first super chat we have is. R.J. Kolu says, Tim, if states, Texas, seceded, would you move to those states? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Really? A no whole question. other country? A new country? Texas? Mm. Yeah. If it be, would it become its own country? Yeah. Is that the... What, what about if it got invaded? Actually, I got to be honest. I'd say no. I would. <laughs> that's dangerous. If Texas secedes, I would wait a little bit. And if Texas stays true to its values and the Constitution and it upholds rights and expands them, because I guess they're talking about constitutional carry, mm-hmm. I'd probably do it. What would you do, Larry? Uh, I don't know. I, I, if that happened, I would uh, worry about the U.S. government stopping people from emigrating. I mean, because mm-hmm. I think that would be a real possibility. I'd, I'd, I'd think about that. There'd be a lot that would go into the into the decision. I, I, there's no way to know without all the facts um the whole yeah, situation you, you, you maybe a bit. for sure maybe I, I i do want to mention i am not giving financial advice i i actually would say in my you know i am not confident in the fact that i just bought dogecoin but uh, i like it. it's funny so i'm the glad doge you know, the doge yes. I, I didn't you didn't you buy some yeah i bought a bunch i bought <laughs> thousands of them thousands oh. back when they were like nine cents it, it spiked to nine cents i was like right. i gotta get in on this and then it dropped down to four and i was like it's at what 20, have i done but i had diamond hands that's right it's at 25 no, it's at 25 listen, listen. I, I didn't. I didn't break my bank for this. I bought some Doge because I thought it was funny. Yeah, it's if, if 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 Doge goes up to Bitcoin levels, I'd probably be like, I should have bought more. Dude, yeah. Lex Friedman and Elon it's Musk. It's funny. Is the entire proposal <laughs> yeah, on know, which it right? is based? We have like some of the preeminent uh, artificial intelligence geniuses of the world, Lex Friedman and, and Elon, tweeting about it and loving it. Like it's funny. And these are like the top geniuses on earth. So all right, we got we got a very important one from Jonathan Galtarini, oh. JDLLM. Larry Sanger, how does one classify as an ex founder? If you helped found the company, how do you unfound it? I'm not intending to be rude. LOL. I'm honestly asking. It's tongue in cheek, obviously. Um, it's like, it, it's, it's a reference to a couple of different things. One is when people 
when I'm identified as a co-founder, a lot of people have just assumed that I'm still there and they like uh, criticize me for it. And it's like, I'm tired of being criticized for Wikipedia when I'm like on the front lines criticizing Wikipedia myself. Okay. So that's part of it. Another part is Jimmy Wales back in like 2004, 2005 started denying that I am co-founder. Um, really? It, Oh yeah, that's a, it's a big story, but it was back then. I don't really care anymore, but, um, but, you know, he still hasn't come out and just said, yeah, he's co-founder. Um, and, uh, so it's like, okay, fine. I, I am going to just, I'm just going to like, uh, distance myself from it entirely. I call myself ex-founder. Jimmy, now you are the co, you are the sole founder. Okay, that's you're the sofa. So that's fine. Go ahead. All right, we got Matt Daniel. He says, Hey, Tim, I bought Dogecoin after you talked about it in January during the GameStop thing. It's gone from 0.003 to 0.19. I made bank. Ooh. Dude. That's funny. I mean, you know what? I, w- I should stop and think to myself about what I'm doing because I often <laughs> look. I remember when I was talking about Bitcoin was $2 and now it's 20 and everyone thought that was it. And then I still don't buy any. <laughs> so I remember when in November Bitcoin was at thirteen thousand. Now it's at sixty three. Mm-hmm. Jeez, wow. Ethereum was at a thousand. I remember when Ethereum was like what five bucks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a cool thing. And everyone was like, this is great stuff. And I'm just like, I, I you know what? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just going to criticize myself for being so smart and stupid at the same time. Hmm. Smart enough to be like, I can see why that's valuable, but I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, you know, 10 years later, and I'm like, why didn't oh, I buy it? What's wrong with me? So I'm just going to buy dumb things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. so, Left is insane. So are you planning on taking substances like MDMA, LSD, or DMT in the future? Yes. If not, can you have someone on the show who knows a lot about them <laughs> and can accurately describe the experiences? Those are illegal, That's by right. the way. Now, I suppose they're talking about in an academic setting where they have the legal uh, authority to do so. Or in Oregon. No, I wouldn't. However, there is that extended state DMT thing that we talk about, you know, every so often, which is really interesting. Have you experimented yeah. much with psychedelics? No. They're, it doesn't seem like that guy, Ian. Yeah. They're amazing. Sometimes when you're actually, in development, actually, it actually, helps. You, gotta, you, like, you just got to look at Larry and then look at Ian. And then it's like. <laughs> Larry's definitely the psychonaut. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I found with LSD. Ian, I think you need to look in a mirror. LSD lets you see shape, like structure easier. For me, it did anyway. And I was able to more like mathematically perceive the shapes, which helped for like development and coding. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We got uh, Dr. Roller Gator. He says, congratulations oh, yeah. on 1 million subs. Lydia, great job as always. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. The real president. Yeah. Dave says, hey, Tim, I was working at a plastic extrusion plant in Wisconsin, in Wisco, and the boxes we were putting some rolls in said made in China on them. It makes you wonder how often it happens to other products that are actually made in the USA. Oh, wow. Yeah. I bought an air purifier and it says designed in Florida, made in China oh. or like assembled in mm. China. I'm like, I get, come on, just, <laughs> just admit it. <laughs> you made it in China. Yep. Joseph Cole says, Tim, you've inspired me to move out of the city. I am moving my family out of Denver. We can't take the Dems BS anymore. Thank you for the push. That's, I mean, I don't know much about Denver. I've been there a couple times. Uh, I was in Colorado Springs, Fort, Fort Carson, I believe, right? Yeah, big mountains. Um, but I, yeah, I got out of the city because it's awful. It's nice, yeah. and you you realize how awful it is once you get out of the city. I've, I've I, I, we've we've been out of the city since two thousand five. Wow! Uh, in the excerpts, I I had, a, I had a friend hit me up 
you know, saying like, you know, I got the vaccine. I'm so excited. Normalcy. We're coming back. And I'm just like, we've been in normalcy like out here forever. Like I I was talking to one of the locals out here and they're like, nothing changed for us. Literally nothing. You're in the mountains. You're in the middle of nowhere. You wake up in the morning. You go outside. There's chickens running around, pooping all over the place. In New York, though, you can't go outside. It's crazy, man. L.A. was just a depressing nightmare when I was there. Mm, People yeah. waiting yeah. in line outside of Whole Foods with That's masks really on, sad. afraid nice. of each other. But uh, you bought some Dogecoin. It made you feel better, didn't I made you? a bunch of Dogecoin. <laughs> Got a bunch of Dogecoin. Ian's secretly a Dogecoin millionaire. I love it. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Oh, don't That's give advice. No, no. Just no, in no. life. Don't hesitate. Oh, okay. okay. That's yeah, yeah. good. That's, That's good advice. Yes. Daniel says, hey, guys, I really enjoy what you're doing here, and I've been watching you, Tim, since 2018. You've really inspired me with everything that you've done, and now I have my own independently hosted website, Webitology, on Google. Hey, there you go. Awesome. Whoa, 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 whoa. Matthew Alcazar says the Texas State House just passed constitutional carry in an 84 to 56 vote. They passed it? Here, here. Holy cow. Now that goes to the Senate? I suppose it'll go to the State Senate if they have a a State Senate. And uh, I imagine it's going to pass. It's Texas of all places. Like How do they not support? have constitutional carry? Right, seriously. West Virginia has constitutional carry. You don't need anything. You can just go no. to West Virginia and walk around with a gun. You can put it in your belt and, you know. It's normal in the West. It's in like people, a lot of people don't, don't realize this. Like, not California. Oh, no, no, no. Not, not in California. Yeah. Oregon, like, Oregon and Washington are, are pretty, pretty good on guns. Yeah. Right? That's my understanding. I don't know. Alaska. Not the East Coast. Yeah. The Colorado. Bro- yeah. Well, Colorado's getting worse. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Turning bluer. The Bros Durham says Wikipedia did a number on Count Dankula and the Quarterings boss. Interesting. Hmm. Brendan Leach said, Mr. Sanger, thank you for making research in high school and college so much easier. <laughs> in particular, all of the links to the actual articles. Yeah, that's, that's what I always said. It's like, if you've got a problem with the article, just click the link. Seriously. Here's, yeah. here's the funniest thing I love about Wikipedia. Uh, I, 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 I proved a point to my friend. This is probably 15 or some odd years ago. That you could take a link to a long, complicated, complicated scientific journal and then say whatever you want so long as you put it in the citations. Mm-hmm. So you could take a scientific journal that says, like, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the reality of, you know, sleeping babies in a construction zone or something. Mm-hmm. And then find an article about sleep apnea and then say whatever you want. Cons- loud, yeah. loud banging noises have been found to be soothing for babies. Yeah. And then put that citation next to it. People would click it, see the journal, not read the journal, and assume it was true, and it would just stay that's, there. That's one of the Wikipedia's many dirty little secrets. They have very many, and, and that's definitely one of them, that that uh, a lot of the uh, citations don't actually say what they're supposed to say. Right. Um, yep. Or or they, they have uh, um, basically... Uh, added their own bias to what a less biased source says right yeah it's yep. um it's i mean news outlets do the exact same thing pathetic yeah absolutely framing tools yeah. brilliant Powerful. so my my favorite my favorite you're gonna love this is uh we had the big story about uh, russian bounties on american troops mm-hmm. turns out it's not true my favorite thing is instead of coming out and saying the story's not true what they said was well we had low to moderate confidence that russian agents sought to encourage the Taliban. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Hold on. If you said we had low to moderate confidence that Russian agents encouraged the Taliban, I would assume there was a small likelihood they actually encouraged it. When you say you had low confidence they sought to encourage them, (laughs) you add that word. And what the story really is, they think Russians at some point considered talking to the Taliban, but probably didn't. 
Yes, I'm so seeking to be a trillionaire right now. Mm-hmm. So it no article is going to say that I'm a trillionaire. Right now. <laughs> well, no, it would be, it would be like saying uh, uh, breaking news: Ian Crossland, uh, you know, paid one trillion, uh, pay, paid a billion dollars to uh, build a helicopter in, in in his backyard. And then it's like later, it's like, well, actually, the story may have not been true. And then the quote you give is that you sought to pay a billion dollars to build wow. a helicopter. Dirty. Yes, I seek to find Excalibur from the Lady in the Lake <laughs> and then become the true king of the Britons too. Tim found Excalibur. That's right. Mm. Yes, or it's it's, it's quote it's, me on it for now. <laughs> they're creating they're creating another point removed where the story is actually it's probably some like Russian guy who was like, "Hey Vladimir, do you want to pay Taliban to kill Americans?" Eh. And then they're like, "Nah, okay." <laughs> and then they're like, "Write it down and publish." We have low. Ex- low evidence. What do they say? Low, uh, low to moderate confidence. <laughs> low confidence that yes. it may have happened. <laughs> All right, we got student of history who says these people have tickled the dragon's tail, and now they will see the wrath of Veritas. If he is going after them, I say go forth and reap all you can. He has taken their dignity and professional honor. Now he'll take the smear merchant's ill-gotten gains. It's going to cost a lot of money. I mean, look, Veritas mm-hmm. is seeking to raise a million dollars to go up against the New York Times. They're going to need to raise millions more to go up against Twitter and CNN and, and Brian Stelter and Anna Cabrera's individuals. We'll see if they have it. All right. Let's see where we're at. Jacob N.M. Clutter says, Tim, I think you guys are looking at James not suing Wikipedia the wrong way. He's going after the New York Times to weaken or destroy Section 230. If he, succeed, if he succeeds, that would open Wikipedia up to be sued. Yeah, this is interesting. If... if um, Mm-hmm. This will be interesting. There's a lot of dead citations as well. For mm-hmm. instance, uh, sure, the n- news outlets change their articles every day, minute after minute. They'll publish an article, then update it an hour later. Someone on Wikipedia will take an article that says, you know, Ian Crossland did a backflip, put it up on Wikipedia and, as a fact, and then an hour later, when this editor is long gone, the article changes to say, correction, it was a front flip. Now you've got a bad citation. I wonder if we'll be able to fix hyperlinks so that in the future, if the receiving end of the hyperlink alters, the hyperlink disappears. Hmm. I think that was a, a proposal in the original um, World Wide Web specification, if I'm not mistaken. Um, to and and they decided against it um, because they wanted to keep the system maximally simple. Um, if you start trying to track stuff like that it just becomes much much too difficult um so yeah mm-hmm. i actually i have the last little tidbit directly from one of the co-founders of the world wide web who actually is uh has has uh, weighed in in the the knowledge standards foundation which is developing the encyclosphere i'm I, i'm uh proud to say uh, and humble humbled uh to say but um yeah, he basically said a lot of the decisions that we made and a lot of the reason why HTML is as sloppy as it is is that uh, we wanted it to be simple and flexible, um, and that was the right decision to make. Basically, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have flourished the way it did if it weren't kept that way. Is that Barlow, John Barlow? Um, no, no. I like that guy a lot. Someone, uh, someone uh, mentioned in the comments. I don't uh, want to name his name okay. because because I didn't have his permission to. Oh, okay. To, so. Shout out to the dude. We, we, we have a comment. It's a regular comment. They said, um, Ian is a backflipping, dog-punching white supremacist. Tim Pool. <laughs> Quote it. Oh, yeah. Because whenever I make reference to fake news, I'll be like, they'll say Ian did this or Ian did that. Start my Wikipedia and I won't take it down. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's the funny thing, too. 
it would not be a lie if a news outlet said Tim Pool accused Ian of punching a dog. Or, or they would say, Tim Pool said, quote, Ian punched a dog because I did say those words. Context is irrelevant to these people. Then someone would take that and put it in Wikipedia. Ian has been accused of punching dogs. Like, that's the laundering of information. And flipping backs. You guys ever do a backflip? Flipping backs? <laughs> I have done many backflips, actually. Yeah. I used to go to a parkour gym every so often. It was fun. It freaked me out. Backflips? Yeah. I should do Front one. Front flips are easier. I mean, I guess actually backflips are easier, but scarier. Do you do backflips or back walkovers? Backflips. Oh, that's so impressive. I go, well, I mean, I don't do them anymore. Yeah. But there's actually a video on my YouTube channel that people won't be able to find of me doing a... Uh, I jumped up onto a platform and then front flip off of it. Yeah, I, I probably could still do front flips. I mean, I still skate and skateboard and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So I've got a son who's who's trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Skateboarding or parkour? What's that? Skateboarding? Oh, no, no, uh, doing... Front flips. Or doing flips, yeah. There was, a, there was a parkour gym in Brooklyn. Now I'd go there and just bounce around. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I was really good at doing yeah, yeah, side yeah. tucks. That, that, for some reason, that seemed the easiest to me. Huh. And I think it's because it's the least scary. Like when you do a front flip, you're, you're, you got to jump right. Your head's going down. You do the back flip. You, you don't want to your head. When you do a side tuck, your net, your head is not exposed. It's like you fall, you fall on your back. And it was really easy to learn That's because cool. what I would do is I, they, this is how they taught me. I would just roll over that this big foam obstacle and you just jump and roll on your back. And then eventually they have you jump more and then jump more and then they take it away and then you're side tucking and flipping. And then, yeah, the parkour stuff was fun. It's good fun. All right. Krista Luca says, I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and 20 cops quit over the weekend because of protests. Bravo. I'm applauding. And I quote, they do not feel supported here and they don't feel trust. They feel second guessed and they don't feel that they can do their job no matter how perfect they do their job without getting in trouble. I am going to look into that. That is a great story. I would love to to to, to go in, in, in depth on. All right. Let's see. Knuckles says Dogecoin to the moon. 23 cents. So that was actually a little while ago. I think it's actually at like 28 cents right That's now. Amazing. People are. Snap. How did how is Dogecoin skyrocketing like this? It's funny. I'm going to buy. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I'm going to buy more. But that. it's only because it's funny. It might be at. It might be peaking right now. So you might want to wait a day nope. or two. I'm just going in. Nope, don't care. I went in at nine cents and I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah. It did I wanted, go down, but yeah. then it went back up. I want to be. I, I'm, I'm not spending that much money. Like it's like it's not like I'm throwing you know tons of cash into this. I bought a little bit. It's funny. I want to be able to say I have Dogecoin. That's yes. it. Yes. Did you buy Doge? I did. I should have <laughs> bought it months ago when it was funny still. But you know, there you go. All right, Jandon Patterson says, got the whole gorilla t-shirt collection, even a pink diamond gorilla t-shirt for the wife. Oh. Got two of the regular plus two versions. I am a gorilla, 25 member, timcast.com as well. Thanks for telling the truth and big thanks to Miss Lids. Oh, thanks. Yep. We, um, man, we got so many, so much hiring to do. Um, we need a web dev. So, em- uh, somebody who lives in the DC area, email jobs at timcast.com. This is a web editor position. We're looking for somebody who can just maintain and knows how to handle WordPress and probably CSS. Uh, it's CSS, right? That's what I'm saying. That right. is content system. What does yeah. CSS stand for? Know how to do WordPress stuff. Yeah. There you go. And so uh, also <laughs> post articles. Such a noob. There's and a lot then, of people like that. But we're also looking for a master of ceremonies. Yes. For the Friday night events of which we want to do every Friday with one big monthly event where our members actually have the option to buy tickets and show up. In limited capacities, probably like 20 or so people. That's an MC for Timcast Media. Yeah, some, and, and the MC would actually be helping run the vlog. So the, the bigger position is 
coming up with ideas for fun things to film, and then Friday night is the big woohoo fun stuff. That'd be a cool job. Yeah, bands playing, comedians, all that good stuff. You know, so jobs at timcast dot com, and uh, I don't know. Res- resum- resumes aren't as important as portfolio material. Cascading style system is that CSS? I don't know. Okay, Cas- send, send me pictures sheets. of websites. <laughs> send me links to websites you've made, and send me videos about vlog stuff you've done. Thank there you. you go. There you go. We're also hiring, uh, uh, we're going through, we're, we're looking for a paranormal subject matter editor. So cults, murders, mystery, paranormal. We have a lot of UFO news coming out right now. So this would fall absolutely into the purview of this, this, this person, this writer. The reason we're hiring for this, because this would also be the production for the new show we're putting together, which is a podcast on murder, mystery, cults, paranormal. We'll be doing that with Cassandra Fairbanks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's read some more. Set Me Free says, good wins in the end because it comes together to defeat evil. That's what's happening now with all these different personalities echoing information. Be good examples in your communities. The left is coming together. They're collectivists. They're a hive. So, yeah. It's not over until it's over. That's true. Noah Poa says, two plus two equals seven, right? Don't worry, Tim. Jerry Nadler is just trying to fit uh, fit in like us when he said, we're not packing the court. We're unpacking it. <laughs> unpacking it from nine to 13. Come on, bro. LOL. I tweeted, two plus two is seven. And then I replied, I'm just trying to fit in. Because <laughs> you saw the two plus two is five thing. No, I'm not sure. If big, I did. big push from critical theorists that two plus two could actually equal five. Oh, right. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's not true. Yeah. All sure. signs <laughs> points are wrong. <laughs> But uh, they can say what they want, I suppose. Crinson okay. says, back on Glocks, while the safety is a drop safety, there is no other safety. It's striker fired, so it, ha- so it has no hammer. But you can buy a striker controlled device that replaces the backplate to function like a hammer. Safety plus. Oh, there you go. BCH broke $900? Bitcoin cash. Wow. BCH. There was a period where Bitcoin cash, wasn't it like 10 grand or something? It's got like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash forked. Yeah, they forked. Yeah. And then there was like no one knew which one was going to take over, and Bitcoin Cash skyrocketed, but then fell down and like dropped dramatically. It, it, it just this strikes me as the entire market is escalating because the U.S. dollar is depreciating oh, yeah. from inflation. And people want to have stored value somewhere and, like, else. They're trying to hide it by making it go up and down and up and down, but it just keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Keeps and the U.S. dollar keeps getting printed. A lot of comments are talking about Dogecoin. Like throughout the show, people have been like, Dogecoin. That's right. <laughs> Dogecoin is big. Peanut Butter Jelly says Doge because stupid people don't know how to buy XRP. Eh. Dogecoin's funny. XRP isn't funny. Yeah, what am I supposed to laugh funny. about? I invest in things that I think are, are like interesting to me. Like a cell phone company or something like yeah. that. Tesla, I like technology. I invested in Tesla. I like electric cars. I have a fraction. I was like, yeah. whatever. I had like some like 20 bucks laying over. And I was like, you know, just whatever. Yeah. But Doge is funny. Cancer Culture says, when will you have Tim Dillon on? He is the funniest comedian on earth. I don't think we will have Tim Dillon on. Probably because he's just too famous. Tim. I'd like to have Dave Chappelle on the show too. But yeah, Dave would be good. <laughs> I don't think he'll come on either. Maybe, maybe we go down to Austin and get everybody to come do a That's big show fun. with everybody. Well, we're, we're planning on doing that tour, so maybe, you know. Bradley Swan says, donate to Project Veritas. They will fight in many ways, in, in, in ways many of us cannot due to our jobs or life circumstances. Find the donate link in one of their videos and donate to these heroes. There you go. Bobby Bob says, I googled riots expected tomorrow and all but the bottom three results were about the Capitol. Yep. Have you seen that? We did this on the show. We Google searched riots 
on Monday yeah. because we just had these riots. And what comes up? The Capitol, Trump, Capitol, Trump, Trump, right, Trump. Right. We go on Bing and we get Minnesota. We go on DuckDuckGo, we get Minnesota. Google is absolutely filtering out totally. Minnesota. But oh, if you Google protests, proven. you'll yeah. get the, the riots. Now, the reason, we, the reason we know it's Google is because CBS, NBC, CNN did write about riots. And you can see those articles on Bing and DuckDuckGo. Yeah. So that means Google was filtering these out so you couldn't see them. I noticed, Google is right? evil. CNN yeah. was reporting on Biden wanting to pull troops out, but that Trump had wanted to pull them out by May 1st. And the Taliban's like, get out by May 1st, Biden. So the, CNN kind of transparently reported on that. I didn't re- expect them to acknowledge that Trump wanted us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, JP McGlone, sa- McGlone says, Tim, Duke University in North Carolina is requiring the vaccine for students to enroll this fall. This affects new and existing students. Students who don't want it but want to finish undergrad are in a tough place. Thoughts? College is stupid. Mm-hmm. So if a bunch of students don't want to get the vaccine and they don't, go- don't want to go to school, I don't care. I th- Look, I think first and foremost, always talk to your doctor. I don't like the idea of mandated vaccines. However, if a private institution like a university wants to require that, then I don't know, then don't go there. It's that simple, isn't it? I, I look, most of my friends have gotten the vaccine. Most of the people, I, I think a good, maybe not most, but a good portion of our guests have all gotten the vaccine. A bunch of conservative guests are like talking about how they've already gotten it or getting it. So I'm, I'm, I'm it's a really weird thing to see like Donald Trump talking about getting it, to see Ivanka Trump literally taking her vaccine selfie. I do think the vaccine selfies are a bit like, you know, eye rolly, but it is weird that like Ivanka literally is coming out and like, get this. Trump sent out an email where he was furious that the FDA and the CDC pulled the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. He's like, I did this. I deserve the credit. They're trying to make me look bad. But there are so <laughs> many people who are like not, you know, they don't want to get the vaccine. I'll tell you this. Yeah. I believe in freedom, individual liberty. You do what you want. If a private business wants to require it, that's where the problem is. Because the, the vaccine passports is the freaky, invasive stuff. But I do think ultimately you just got to talk to your doctor, and I think you should take your doctor's word for it. Yeah. I mean, if you don't trust your doctor, you got bigger problems. Or take a doctor's word for it. You don't, you know, you're not. No, you're bound a to, Well, you have a second. Doctor Fauci is a doctor. Have, yeah, you can have multiple doctors. You can a second opinion is still your doctor. Well, you could go to another doctor and get that's another your doctor as well. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You, you could, go to ten doctors; they're all your doctors. Yes, yes. I'm saying, don't trust people on TV or YouTube. Oh yeah. Don't take my word for it. Trust us. Talk to your doctor. <laughs> I just I think what the problem is private corporations do at a certain point have a right to say, like, we don't want you coming into our institution or whatever. The issue is when all of society does it, you have this problem. And I'll throw and I think that's where you might need regulation to defend rights, maybe under the 14th Amendment. And I cite the um, was it the Cuyahoga River person mm-hmm. of flames. It did. Yeah. All of these companies were contributing a little bit of the pollution and saying, it's not me. I'm only doing a little bit. And then we were like, OK, but y'all can't do it at the same time. So it's the same thing with the vaccine passports. It's fine. You know, I think if, if the company's like, you know, you should have a vaccine, it's a problem when a, a regular person can't buy food and is not being treated fairly in society because of a medical issue. Right. And right. I'm, not, I'm not talking about anti-vaxxers. I'm talking about people who are literally told by their doctors they advise against the vaccine for several reasons, of which there are many, many reasons. Not everyone is able to go out and take every drug. So let me let me um, address that this person's question. I This is an idea I like to get out there. I've been talking about it since the 90s. Um, I'm a I'm a big advocate of uh, degrees by examination. Basically, it's a way to basically do something like homeschooling at the college level. 
Um, and what I really want to to exist is, um, and I I've never seen this before. I mean, degrees by examination exist, and they're very cool. You can look into it. You know, there's uh, I think it's Empire State College in New York, and then um, there's a system also in in New Jersey and um, and uh, other places. I think Arizona has a program like this. Um, but what I would like to see is a committee of like three or four um, professors who do like a portfolio examination and an oral exam and maybe a written exam that, that, that comes at the end of a course of study. And then those people just by themselves, independent of any institution, they declare that you are. Uh, you have uh, knowledge that is the equivalent, equivalent to a bachelor's degree. Is there any reason why uh, a lot of people would you accept as a, as as the the uh, the CEO of your of your company? Would you accept that as like proof of of uh, uh, being being college educated? Eh, I, I don't I don't think proof of college education means anything. Okay. So uh, I could, I, I, you know, you know, as a joke, I used to tell people that I had a PhD in nuclear uh, phys- physics, mm-hmm. and they would be like, "You do?" And I'm like, yeah, "Absolutely, from the College of Milton." And they'd go, "Oh, wow!" And they, they wouldn't ask anything beyond that. <laughs> so it's my my brother actually made that up. And the point is, I never said it was an accredited university. Uh-huh. I never said any. I never even elaborated. People just assume things are true. It's the stupidest thing to me where someone's like, "I got my piece of paper." It's like, okay, you know what I did? I took I took a. Uh, uh, Two months of a community college course that costs like five hundred bucks, and that now my highest level of education is some college. Well, you're, you're thinking about the value of uh, of a college degree differently than I do. You think of it as a, uh, or you seem to think of it anyway, as um, having only economic value. I think it re- it represents um, a certain level of you know intellectual attainment. Um, in a particular yeah, subject, I completely disagree. It well, ought to, it anyway. Could, it, uh, yeah, ought to and does two different things. I yeah. think my, my experience from people in colleges is that they're underwhelming. I mean, I've gone mm-hmm. to I've gone to MIT several times. I spoke at MIT for for one special event in front of a large group of people from various backgrounds, talking about media technology, drones, the things we we're applying them to. And it was fascinating to me that the people at the the you know at MIT of all places who are working on this tech knew less about this tech than I did. Mm-hmm. As some random dude who went out into a parking lot and bought a drone and hacked it with his buddy, you know, r- running the SDK through Linux and then screen grabbing to broadcast. And I'm like, we just did it. And then I, I, I was really I was really amazed the first time I went to M- MIT and I saw their lab. It's cool. Saw the things they were building. And I was like, my buddy does this in his garage. Yeah. And he's not spending tens of thousands of dollars on tuition to do it. That's weird to me. Yeah, you guys are both making interesting points because I think if it was a comprehensive enough examination that mm-hmm. elucidated that the person really does understand this breadth of knowledge, yeah. that is almost better than someone that went to class for four years, did classes, sat there, barely listened, went in, wrote down the test information they remembered, and then forgot it within a few weeks. Yeah, so just going there and being there doesn't necessarily mean you understand the concept. Mm-hmm. I would love to see examinations taking precedence. This is this is why I tell. Mm-hmm. I just said. Resumes mean very little to me. Send me your portfolio. Well, and- I mean, okay, maybe for jobs here, but in, in larger institutions where, the, you know, HR has certain requirements. Stay and- away from those jobs. Okay. And, 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 and this, I don't and this- disagree, but okay, not right, everybody's right- going to take your advice. Oh, they should. Right now, college degrees, in my opinions, are evidence to the contrary of independent thought 
the ability to think critically and solve problems. And the reason is hmm. the people who go to college right now are the ones who are just told by their parents to do it and they don't know why. I think half that the statistic is that 50% of people change their majors, like some ridiculously large number. They don't know what they want to do. And so I prefer to find people who are like, I pursued my dreams and tried to solve problems on my own. I didn't go to college because then you're going to have someone who's a problem solver, a thinker, someone who can think critically. The people who I found when I've, when I, when I've worked for various companies who have college degrees, they just did what they were told. And they're really good at just doing what they're told, but I need people who can solve problems and I need quality control. I'll tell you, I did. I think there's, there's an important point to be made here. Again, you're just thinking and you're not the only one. Most people think of college degrees this way and, and the value of a college education this way. It's a, basically no, 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 no. an economic transaction. I, I, I think you're misunderstanding me. Okay. People are supposed to go to college to learn how to think critically and, 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 and develop intellectually. And some do. Some. But most don't. And okay, so the fine. issue is fine. Well, then that's the criticism. In my it's, experience, the criticism isn't a criticism of college per se. It's of how college is pursued today. I don't like how it's pursued today. Absolutely. Right, as, so, as a former college professor myself, uh, I I remember people at at Ohio State and Columbus State, and, and no no offense against the people who go to those institutions. They're very smart, actually. Um, so, but so, it's so. they they did not they had no motivation so, to better right. their minds and to to get a liberal arts education that when, means something important. When a lot I, of people who go to these institutions they don't even realize what it means and so, why so here's, it's important. Here, here's the issue. Okay, uh, I used to love playing Magic the Gathering. I now say I hate the game and don't play it because the game's bad. Because I spanked them like a hundred times at it. No, the game, the game's bad. They, they, the power creep has gone insane. <laughs> that is the, true. Uh, it, it's, it's become boring, it monotonous, and people use essentially crowdsourcing to solve the games as soon as they're made. It's just not fun mm-hmm. anymore. Net decking. Yeah, net decking. It's just it, competition has become boring. The, 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 the win ratios are, are predictable. Yeah. It's just become very boring. And then you have new cards coming out that are just insane power creep. I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, 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 Magic the Gathering is great because of what it used to be. Well, it's not that anymore. Mm-hmm. College may have been a place where you could show up and learn and explore and experience, but it's not been that way since my entire life. It has never been that. Well, this is actually one of the reasons why I am pushing young people. I occasionally do this on my blog, and I'm, I've been talking to my sons about it, too. Um, uh, that, that education is super important. It's really important. It isn't important for educational reasons, or sorry, for, for, for economic reasons. It's important for educational reasons. For, for, uh, developing your mind, it actually makes life more interesting. It's, it's, um, and it's, it's hard to explain why this is, why knowledge is important. Having it in your head, not just in a place to look it up. Knowledge, a, having a, a systematic understanding of the world is important. I'll I, I give you a, a, an example of how I think about this, right? Um, so I started reading the Bible and I've read it through all the way through, um, twice in, in the last, uh, I guess 15 months or so. Uh, I'm, I'm starting again and I'm also like reading commentaries and stuff. I'm actually getting into it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing reading a little bit on the side, obviously. Um, that is uh, very similar to the the reading that that one would get at seminary. I have absolutely no 
motivation, no desire to go to seminary. I have talked to a few seminary professors, though, and they're actually um, interested in in my whole proposal of like saying, you know, declaring uh, Sanger to have like a Master of Divinity degree in five years after you've gone through these, you know, texts and written certain things and, and that sort of thing. I, I think that would be... Um, and, but the reason I'm doing it is not so that I can, like, do anything with the degree. It's it, other than... So, But we agree on that. Okay. Oh, oh, good, but you're not saying these things, and I am. So I'm well, so, so you're saying that you're not going to <laughs> seminary, but you're learning anyway? That's my point. Yeah. Why go to college to learn things you don't have to go to college to learn? But you're doing this, the kind of work that one does at uh, going to college. So, so if somebody college wanted, type study is still important. Do you agree? College type study. And what does that mean? Reading difficult books, thinking deep thoughts about them, having just meaningful discussions with other people about them, writing long papers, doing research. That's just study. It can happen anyway. Sure. So if someone wanted to learn how to be so successful. You haven't answered my question. Is it important or not? Studying is important. Okay, good. Yeah, the the idea that college can fu- college is bad as an institution. Everything it represents is a corruption of the of these ideas. There may be some positive aspects within these institutions, but they are overwhelmingly corrupt. The re- the really the best way I can explain it is there's a lot of good people even today how, at, at in, in colleges. I, I don't I don't support a lot of the institutions very much, but I I it needs to be said that there's a lot of people who they're they don't want to lose their jobs, you know, and they're still decent. Even some of them are even conservative or libertarian. Sim- simple question. Would you learn more about journalism going to college or hanging out in my house? You'd learn different things for sure. You would learn more about journalism hanging out in my house than you would in college. You know how I know? Okay. Because I've actually been called to speak at numerous colleges. Sure. And it's amazing when I was a 25-year-old high school dropout with a backpack and I was called to give guest lectures for for PhD courses in journalism and they had no idea any of the modern components of journalism was fascinating. Oh, they could tell me things about, you know, like uh, Woodward and Bernstein. Uh And I was like, is that relevant to today's modern understanding of how journalism uh, newsrooms operate, about how to gather news, how to disseminate information, how to be a journalist? So I'm, I'm out here, you know, I'm 25 and I was consulting with the BBC, sitting down with their mobile experts, explaining to them like what to do, how to do it. Universities were asking me to go and speak there. And there's this idea among people that they're better off going and going to these schools and spending tons of money instead of literally just going and doing journalism and being surrounded by the experts in the field. The value of being here would be they would learn faster because of the mentorship and college. The one on one. Yeah, it's supposed to simulate mentorship. You have a professor that you're mentoring with, but it's become so big. It's the education industry that they've even industrialized it is a, the problem I have with it. That it's a money-making machine. Now, now look, 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 look. look. There's, if you there's be a, a if distinction a lawyer, that needs to be made here, though, right? Because you're talking about professional training. And I actually happen to agree with you. That, I'm not, that I'm not you're inferring that. I'm talking about if you want to have a modern understanding of journalism outside of any doing a job. I didn't say work here. I said hang out here. 
It, no, no, no. But, but I, I understand. But, but the this is all in the context of discussion about the value of of uh, college education. And your point seems to be that learning in the context of, uh, you know, on the job, basically. Um, if no, you're I, again, I got to stop you. I didn't say work here. Okay. No, no. Okay. Right. Fine. So, so someone who's literally sleeping on my couch will learn more about journalism than someone in a college. Okay. Classroom. Yeah. I kind of has nothing to do with work. No, because no, they're going to hear that. conversations about the president of CNN, high-level staffers at various news organizations. They're going to see various top-level yeah. journalists who will be hanging out here and telling them stories, as opposed to going to college. What they will not get is a liberal arts education. Okay? What does that mean? Well, a liberal arts education it has a number of different components in which basically you systematically develop an understanding of the world through a study of the great books um, and uh, why wouldn't they get that? Well, I don't know. Do the people who work here like often read like Homer and? Yeah, I think we have like three thousand books. No joke. We well, get sent. We get sent like dozens of books every week, and we have tons of bookshelves with classics. The I'm great books. Pretty sure we do. I was just handed the Art of War, for instance, great and cow. we've got a bunch of different versions of the Bible. If you don't want to read, well, you're, then you don't yours read. Is, yours is a, a very unusual workplace. Then I guess I but should it's not about, say it's not about work. They're like it's it's some you know, a lot of everyone here is doing something, but for the most part, we get books sent here. Uh-huh. Some of them are insane. Some yeah. of them are classics. Yeah. Some of them are modern. Some of them are old. Some of them are ancient philosophy, and they're all here on the bookshelves available for people to read. Well, if they that's want great. To. My head is off. I think that that's great. So, all but right. so what, what's the point of going spending tens of thousands of dollars to be surrounded by other people with no experience and hang out with people with no experience? To be mentored by someone who has limited experience, who's going to tell you to read a book. It's the structure. Like here at this house, you have to seek it to find it. It's not, there's no classes to go to. There's no like expectation of you. But at college, there's someone there waiting for you. They're, they're giving you a place to be, a seat to sit in, and they're focused on giving it to you. So you're saying unmotivated people will somehow understand these concepts while being told they have to do it instead of passionately seeking it. Actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, unfortunately, like it or not, um, Students need a structure that is imposed by their uh, by their parents or their teachers or professors, um, and uh, that's that's the way most people are, like it or not. I mean, and I I wish that people were like motivated to do a lot of extra extracurricular activities, you know. Um, bettering their minds as they are like uh, working near your office or whatever. That'd be that'd be great if the world worked that way. But for the most part, it doesn't. So the so, so the results of taking unmotivated people who often not not every I'll put it this way: not everybody has the ability yeah. to to reach the, the levels you're describing. We we live in, a, in, in, in there's a reality. Some people are smart. Some people are average. Some people are not smart. Some people are strong. Some people are tall. I read this really great article years ago. It was uh, it was it was actually I believe it was from a pre- professor who said the challenge with universities is that when unmotivated people go to these schools because their parents told them to, instead of learning and truly understanding what they're what they're being told to learn, they simply memorize details. The problem with memorizing details as opposed to understanding is that they then start to mash things in a broken way. You know, the, the saying is, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that it doesn't go in a fruit salad. <laughs> the problem is if you yeah. take unmotivated people and you put them in a room and you say, tomato is a fruit, they'll go, okay. And then later on in life, they'll go, tomato is a fruit, put in the fruit salad. 
motivated people who are dedicated and passionate will sit there and they'll understand and say, tomato is a fruit, huh? Then why do we call it a vegetable? Then you'll go through culinary, you'll start researching, you'll learn about different you know, culinary arts and you'll go, wow. And then you'll understand. Mm-hmm. Unmotivated people being put in a box where someone tells them to read a book doesn't mean they'll understand it or they want to understand it. Well, I, I agree, but uh, there's a lot of people who are inspired to become, uh, to better themselves, essentially to better their minds when they go to college. That's just a fact. It's happened a lot. I'm, I'm worried that because a lot of people are, are listening to you and I understand, I think I understand what you're saying. I've heard a lot of it. Um, that uh, they're going to take your advice and and they're going to end up being anti-intellectual, frankly, and that's not a good thing. Telling so, people so to let me, study let me show you and this. research is anti-intellectual. What let, is that? let me show you this. I'm going to give you this. Um, unless and we'll you put it in the library. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> okay, so I, this is essays on free knowledge. I, I, I wrote it. One of my most controversial um, blog posts is in here. Um, it's called, uh, Is There a New Geek Anti-Intellectualism? The things that you've been saying are in this article. I, I uh, basically responded to it. It's from uh, 2011. Um, and uh, I, I would love to have your feedback on that. And, and also there's, there's a follow-up where I have replies to objections. It, it, there are like hundreds and hundreds of objections, and it, it generated all kinds of controversy as uh, you know, bloggers so responded. Are you of the opinion that independent study and research is anti-intellectual? No, no, no. I, well, I'm, this is how we got onto this subject. Of course, it's it's uh, it's perfectly intellectual and it's a a great thing. So, um, so I, what I want to do is reform the university system or force it in one way or another to reform, so it it recaptures its old spirit of true knowledge seeking, um, where there is there is not uh, there are not essentially doctrinal or ideological tests uh, for for participating in the system that that bothers me i think that's a huge part of the problem um but like discouraging people from going to college is going to be interpreted whether you intend it this way or not i I think it's going to be interpreted by a lot of people as saying the sorts of things that one learn in college are not important. I know that's not what you're saying, but I, from my understanding is, I think from talking with Tim a lot about this, it's that the things you learn in college aren't worth the co- the modern cost of college fiscally. Because I, I actually agree with that, well, but, but but it's more than that. And people are being indoctrinated, and you it's, get the ninety nine point four percent of the people that want to go work for a firm instead of start their own company that end up going there and becoming part of the machine. I I I. I I've spent a lot of time at various universities throughout my life, and boy, did I find it laughable. I lived with so many people who spent so much money going to college, and it was remarkable to me how I could sit in a room with people and explain to them basic concepts you'd think a freshman in college would have learned that they don't understand. How mm-hmm. I could have sat down with a music business, a third-year music business major who had no idea how she'd not read Homer. She didn't know what the word solipsism meant, and she didn't know how to manage bands. And I said, then why are you in college? Oh, that's what college was breeding <laughs> yeah. in Chicago. So maybe your experience, you know, the way you viewed college is this positive thing that needs to be brought back. The way I see it is it's corrupted. 
And so encouraging people to go into corruption won't improve it. If the system is reformed, then maybe later we can say, hey, this is actually good. Go do this. However, technology maybe has made the whole institution archaic. You look at the story of someone like Aaron Swartz, who helped contribute to the foundation of Reddit, as well as uh, I think, um, wasn't he involved in RSS? Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. Creative Commons. He yeah. was he was like 13. And he was on the internet. Oh, yeah. He got involved with very prominent I, I, individuals. I remember him. I had some interactions with him back in the day. So how do we encourage young people to be inspired, to get involved, to to seek out on their own? College does the opposite of that today. Mm-hmm. It beats people down and dulls them and makes them hate these things. Mm-hmm. Maybe not completely, but in a, in a very large way. And then they come out with massive debt. They become indentured servants. And many of them, because of the hopelessness, become communist. Yeah, no. Geez, I, I agree with all of that entirely. I so, mean, so I don't. <laughs> what we agree on is we want to encourage people to read the classics, yeah. to read philosophy, to understand these deep questions and thoughts. But it's not going to happen. Or, or, we can agree on that. Yeah. Now, my opinion is college is corrupted, siphons money, makes people disinterested and leaves them as angered, indentured servant, servants. Yeah. So it's a bad thing. Well, I, I would disagree with that. I do believe that it makes people indentured. Um, I didn't go to, I've been to college 20 years ago, so it's probably, maybe it's changed, but I learned a lot and I would pay that debt thrice over to have that experience again. So what if you hung out at hackerspace instead? I I guess I don't disagree in my own case. Yeah. What if, what if, what if we just turned the local libraries into hackerspaces and you can go and hang out for free? Oh, that'd be such a good use of libraries. Right. So the issue is technology. But the books are still there? Of course. Okay. And the internet. (laughs) So I, I, I hung out at, I, I hung out at various, uh, man, I traveled around. I met a lot of different interesting people. I had access to the internet, so I was able to read and research. Well, I mean, that's how a lot of people do use libraries. I mean, Absolutely. I, I go and do work at libraries sometimes. So well, we can abolish college, but recenter libraries as the centers for inquiry, investigation, research, knowledge seeking, but also activities. Yeah, libraries are amazing. I love libraries. I used to use them all the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Get access to the internet, rent movies. People don't know this. Yeah. I used to go to the library because they had free movies to rent, and I would get books, movies, and I would go on the internet. Now, what we can do is sure. create community centers where people have fun hanging out with each other, exploring ideas. And you could, you could have people come to the libraries and perhaps teach these people, and you could have a subscription model where each of these we'll call them students, would learn from these teachers, but pay no. them $20 a class via PayPal. Cut no. out the middleman. No, 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 they're free. This, this is precisely well, what I've been no, no, advocating. Teachers, no, no, no. What he said, make a living, what, he, since what the he is trying to do is cut out the middleman of college yeah, and just exactly. pay the teacher directly. Libraries are free and there's no schedule. But there's the perf- no structure. There's no professors. You show up and Richard is there and he's machining rocket parts. And you go and you go, what's he doing? Machining rocket parts. And then he talks to you about rocketry. And then one guy's reading a book on philosophy, Aristotle. And then kids are, are, are going around. They're, they're, they're being mentored by people who are, are talking about interesting it's things. It's just a scaling problem because if too many people are surrounding the rocketry guy and he doesn't have time to work on his product or enough. That's true he for can't college. Explain. Exactly. So we've got to mediate for the scaling problem. I think we that's why you want to pay them. What, community sorry, Larry, centers what? where people can explore and expand and engage in practical uh, activities. Now, I, I will stress there are absolute uh, important reasons for college, and that's literally the sciences where mm-hmm. you have to do these things under regulated conditions. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor and you have to have certain credentials, yes, college exists for those reasons. So uh, let, uh, let me uh, 
Let me ask you first, uh, have you heard of um, uh, different homeschooling philosophies like um, uh, a classic um, method and and uh, unschooling and these uh, different homeschooling I've heard of approaches. I know the girl Dana Martin. She so let, let me that. let me sort of. I actually think we agree a lot more than we disagree. But you basically want your model, your mental model for education is essentially unschooling. My mental model for education is it makes room for that for people for whom it is good, but it isn't good for most people. Most people need more structure. My sons would not thrive under an unschooling uh, model. They simply wouldn't learn the things that they I'm not, should learn. I'm, I'm not advocating for an unschooling system. I'm saying there are benefits to converting libraries into hackerspaces because yeah. hackerspaces are greatly beneficial. Well, okay, I yeah. think there's many different ways people learn. Some people learn through sure. physically grasping an object and rotating it. Some people learn through hearing from another person or from reading, through demonstration. But th- there's those, many different those ways are not to learn. The, those are not the things that are relevant to the to the controversy between us here. The, right, right. Then so, so, that's so, relevant is does it does the uh, education need to be uh, regimented from a, 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 above by um, some leader of the curriculum. Um, because, look, there's some people who really want to learn. They have a hard time motivating themselves, and they actually want the direction. They, they right. need the direction, and they really, would, they really would benefit, too. So, so I'm not saying we don't have teachers, Okay. I'm saying the current institution of college is a broken down old rusty pile of garbage that you can't polish. Well, but there's I think if you're going to appeal to all the people that we need to appeal to, they're going to serve if we're going to serve all of their needs, um, then there's going to be something like college that emerges, even if it is like decentralized and so forth. But I, but I, but I think the issue is there's a reason why the left targets children. Uh-huh. They don't need to appeal to the old people. Yeah. The old people walk away and the young people do what the generation was told to do. Yeah, yeah. So what we need to do well, is we need to inspire young people. I appreciate the book. You got to sign that. We yeah, absolutely sign it. <laughs> okay. We need to inspire young people to be seekers, yeah. to be hackers, to be interested and to achieve things. And there's probably some people who can't do it and they need direction. But a lot of a lot of what I see happening is that young people are not being properly educated and motivated. Notably that in America we don't teach children anything before the age of five, which mm-hmm. is insane to me. You it's learn like from your zero most- to five. Right, the most important thing like, is your I life. I taught my, my boys to read both when they were one. Yeah, they, right. they knew how to read picture books uh, by the age of two, and they were reading chapter books when they were three. And the problem is most, most Americans don't do anything until they're five, which, yeah. is, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they loved it, too, by the way. I didn't so force fun. them right. at all. Yeah. Because kids want to learn. It's, it's literally w- yeah. within humans to try and like, – they, they always say kids will imitate you. It's because they're trying to learn. Yeah. So teach these kids things. And congratulate them and make them feel good. Hmm? The one thing that will really help people be inspired is if you've got a little kid and they go in and they're, you know, doing something positive and you cheer them on and other people are like, wow, this kid's cool. They're going to feel good from the social acceptance. It will encourage them to pursue doing good things. However, what we do in this country is we don't teach our kids until they're five. Then they start learning rudimentary basics. I mean, I'm sure parents to some degree teach their kids some things, obviously. But then they basically go to an institutionalized learning facility where many teachers are just not good at what they do. Many of them are mean. 
I think I had two good teachers in my life. Two. And there's a phrase that I think breaks down exactly what's wrong with schooling. School sucks. (laughs) Why would kids say that? Why, Why is it that I can be so inspired? I built my first computer when I was like eight years old. Why? Because I had good parents. They, they, they taught me before five. They inspired me. They cheered me on. They talked about how amazing these things were. And I wanted to do these amazing things. Yeah. Many other kids were riding around on their bikes careless. And so all they wanted to do was get social acceptance from their friends who also were riding around on their bikes having fun. I wanted to do things. I wanted to play music. I wanted to skateboard. I wanted to accomplish things. Yeah. So how do we get kids to do that? We need to create a new culture of inspiration of hands-on activities, having kids feel good when they accomplish something. I think dopamine see, uh, what, what you're describing here sounds like just what our educators are taught at, in, in progressive education um, uh, institutions and have been for the last hundred years. Um, uh, so, yeah, they, they'll, they're like vigorously nodding their head. Um, to to the suggestion that we need hands-on education, that that um, they they need to get out there and actually build things. And, and it comes from the parents. And um, yeah, they, they need inspiration. Um, they don't need indoctrination. They uh, you know less reading of books and more making and doing. I didn't and, say less reading of so, books though. Well, that's what they say, and and they Very regard different. it as as well. But they re- they regard it all uh, of a piece. You see, um, this is why it's so easy. I think, and if you read the essay that I was referring to there about about geek anti intellectualism. Um, You'll you'll see why, um, and uh, so uh, like I I have a feeling that uh, like you, you don't have kids, right? No. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you have kids, you're probably going to be homeschooling dad. I'm guessing. Um, it's going to be I, a very interesting curriculum. There will be many white. Yeah, I hope so. Monday morning from nine to ten is parkour hour. Nap <laughs> <laughs> time. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm then commanding it. Then it's going to be Brazilian jiu-jitsu. All right. Oh boy. So the first is just to get loosened up, to climb around, to get that agility, and then the next hour is the. Brazilian you have boys. So. And then uh, you, <laughs> can, you can earn crypto from your math class. See, I think gamifying education is going to be the That's wave of smart, the future. Yeah. Because if you can earn crypto, even if it's just like non-fungible <laughs> Ian, Ian, tokens Ian. that aren't worth anything, but you can spend on like uh-huh. um, a hat for your avatar. And then you're uh-huh. fr- rather than riding around and showing your friends how cool you are outside, you'll you you go work. to class and be like, yo, I don't need video games because look how good I am at my class. But you can see my, it on my cool My dude. son has but, actually stopped playing some of his IO games um, in favor of trading uh, crypto. <laughs> well, so. y- you're agreeing with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I'm saying it's the dopamine hit. Yes. Getting kids to get that dopamine hit, a goal was accomplished. Yeah. The problem I see is that many, many parents don't do anything with their kids until, so the kids yeah. don't develop this, you know, this mindset. But anyway, yeah, we've gone uh, very, very start long. Start rewarding the kids. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess we have. Yeah. This, has been, this has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, thanks for, for, for hanging out and talking about Wikipedia. Really appreciate you coming, Larry. Absolutely. For everybody who's uh, watching, we're not going to have an extended uh, bonus segment tonight. Consider this the extra half an hour Free we did. Free bonus segment. Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Free bonus segment for everybody. And I, I, it was interesting. We, we, yeah. we rolled with it. and um, But we are going to have more vlogs coming up because we do have one we're ready to publish. We're just there. There's like some some bumps we're going to get through. Probably might, might be up like a Saturday or Sunday thing. We're going to start filming these. We need a master of ceremonies. Email us at jobs at timcast.com. If you think you have 
what it takes. You, you, I'll put it this way. MC probably got to be able to play music and skateboard because you're going to be helping produce these <laughs> vlogs. So, and we're also looking for a web dev and web editor, but uh, you can follow me on every social media platform at Timcast. My other YouTube channels are youtube.com slash Timcast and youtube.com slash Timcast News. This show is live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. So subscribe, smash that notification bell, hit the like button. It's all greatly appreciated. And uh, did you want to shout out anything, Larry? Mention maybe your book or social media, follow you? Um, sure. Okay. Well, um, okay. Go ahead and, and buy my book, please. Um, sure. <laughs> I don't think so you're I'm intending it. I'm hawking it. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, uh, it's on, uh, Amazon. The ebook is also on Gumroad and Amazon. Um, what, I, what, what I, is I it wanna, called? The book? it's called Essays on Free Knowledge, The Origins of Wikipedia and the New Politics of Knowledge. And, um, a lot of things that we've talked about actually are in this book, especially in the last new chapter, um, uh-huh. the future of the free internet. Cool. Um, and then thank you for the book. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I want to encourage people who are interested in the Encyclosphere project, especially if, if you're technical, even if you're not and you're just interested in, in this stuff, um, sign up. Uh, we're starting a seminar slash deliberation about the policies of the future um, Encyclosphere, uh, probably beginning next month, I hope. Um, no promises, uh, but it's going to be free. Donations are um, encouraged. Uh, and, and it's going to be serious. We're going to have like Bill Ottman, uh, has yeah, already yeah, yeah. agreed to, cool. to, uh, talk, uh, yeah. in, in our, our, the week that we're going to do about decentralizing social media. Um, and, uh, so sign up for that seminar, sign up for the Encyclosphere. It's encyclosphere.org, just like it sounds. And, um, well, I've got a lot of other things you going on. Social media. Right? You have social media accounts too, right? You have at least a Twitter. L Sanger on Twitter. Um, and you can like follow my RSS feed, uh, feeds actually, uh, LarrySanger.org. And then I have my micro feed or that actually the future, the future, um, name for it actually is going to be mini feed. That's oh, what it's going to be. Feed. Mini feed. Um, as it lives on start this dot cool. org. Right on. Very cool. Really appreciate you coming, Larry. This yeah, absolutely. And I'm um, looking forward to working with you in Cyclosphere yeah. and yeah. involving that in this Fediverse uh, more and more, man. Um, you guys can follow me at iancrossland.net and at iancrossland across pretty much every social media platform. So hit me up there if you ever want to message me or anything and get involved. Thanks. Very good. Super fun conversation. Thank you for coming, Larry. I feel like I learned a lot, even though this is way out of my field of expertise. I am Sour Patch Lids on Twitter, and join me on my quest to have more followers in the actual Sour Patch Kids account. We'll have fun with that. <laughs> we will see you all tomorrow, but don't forget to sign up at TimCast.com, become a member, because we have a lot of really cool stuff in the works. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, guys.